The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yo, what is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and my guest today well, he's had a pretty crazy life, actually. His name is Mikey Taylor. Uh, now he is the uh, El Presidente of Commune Capital, uh, which is a real estate investment company. But before that, uh, he was Mikey Taylor, the pro skater. Then he was Mikey Taylor, the pro skater that started St. Archer Brewing. Uh, he then sold out of that. And instead of just kicking back on the beach and retiring, like many people would expect him to, uh, he started Commune Capital and he's just been grinding ever since. Just a guy that I really wanted to meet and really wanted to talk to. I just really enjoy the way that he delivers his content. I enjoy the topics that he talks about um, and just reached out and asked to get him on. So this was an awesome chat. This was one where we kind of just went back and forward. Uh, essentially it's just two new friends meeting each other for the first time. So yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I hope that you guys do as well. Uh, we got a bunch of great episodes of the podcast coming uh, that have already been recorded. They're actually on the membership website right now waiting to be released to the public. If you want to get episodes of the Gypsy Tales podcast before they are made public, we have a bit of an editing backlog uh, to get the shows out. But to save you time, we just put those up on our membership website. If you don't want to wait, Everything is available on the membership website, basically the same day that we record it. So just head to gypsytales.com. You can sign up for just a small monthly fee. You get access to all of our shows basically as we record them uh, and a whole bunch of other content on there as well. Uh, Also, we are doing our Gypsy 500, our eight-hour and 20-minute Fundurance race for the Weekend Warrior. That's right. Built for guys like me. Guys like you listen to this podcast. We only have 50 spots left and it is at the iconic Mesquite track in Mesquite, Nevada. Uh, We're going to be there for almost that whole week. We've got a cool house there. We're going to play some golf. We're going to do some moto. And then, of course, we're going to race the Gypsy 500. Uh, But if you want to join us, get in quick because, like I said, there's only 50 team entries uh, available. Basically, you do it with either two of your mates, three of your mates, or four of your mates. Uh, it's about a 20-minute lap time, a mix between the enduro course and the motocross track. Uh, and basically, it's just as many laps as you can do in eight hours. But to be honest, no one really cares. This is just a full fun weekend um, to race with you and your crew. So 
Head to verbmodo.com slash gypsy500. Be one of only the 200 teams that gets to do this event this year. Uh, I will be really looking forward to seeing all of the Gypsy gang there. Fly my brother over from the US. Steve Shearer, one of my best mates here, and Anton Wass is coming to do it. See our Stark future. How fun is that? Um, so yeah, verbmodo.com slash gypsy500. We are... Working on our Yamaha Deegan build. That's next up for us on the YouTube channel. Um, if you've been following the back and forth with me and the Deegs, he's pretty in on his two-stroke build, uh, and I'm pretty in on mine too. So very excited. Deegs is obviously big two-stroke build guy. Uh, iconic bikes from the Coliseum, all the X Games in the early 2000s. So pretty excited to see what the old fella's going to bring. Uh, so yeah, keep a lookout for that on our YouTube channel. Uh, thanks to all our other sponsors, Fist Handware, Boost Mobile, AG1, of course, Manscaped, keeping the beard and the, uh, the ball fro trimmed up, uh, and the team at Tropical Auto. That's it from me. I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did with Mikey Taylor. From the gang con- Something nice about headphones in the podcast setting. I know, it just kind of like locks you in. Yeah. I got a, I got a, like a, I guess like a weird thought about it, but I, I feel like podcasting is the only medium that you experience as a listener in the same way that you experience as the person creating it. I like that. So like you think about a movie, right? So you see the final product on the camera, but what was on the opposite side of that camera was like a hundred people lighting. There's boom guys. It's like a state and like, it's just in no way, shape or form similar to the experience. And then the people that are making the movie, they're looking back like what they're seeing the whole time. Isn't what you're, you know? So anyway, I think that, I think that's one of the reasons people are so drawn to podcasting is because there's just zero distance between the people that created it, the experience that they were having, and then the people that actually listened to the final product. Yeah, what you see is what you get. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's good. That's good. I never thought of it that way. And I think that the headphones, so that's why it's like even like the, you're listening to our podcast now, essentially. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it does hone you in. Yeah. It's like it creates the walls just pew, yeah. like that. That's good. So let's lock in, mate. Let's so, go. Uh, let's go. So Mike Taylor, everybody, for those who don't know, he was a uh, professional skateboarder turned financial uh real estate mogul kind of guy uh and i was just telling him before we started that i followed you from i guess like back in the barracks sort of days like the the skateboard Mm. probably one of my first instagram follows back in the day and then you started popping up more recently for the financial stuff right um and then being a business owner i like to take good advice when uh when it's presented and i just enjoy I think your delivery as well, like these days, so many people are uh, they're doing the social media thing to like get bigger, whereas yours is just seems like this is what's on my mind. I'm really passionate <laughs> about it. Right. Like this is just good, genuine advice from a person that enjoys like giving that kind of advice. Right. And I think it's very genuine, very cool. And it's just not very often in like a financial business space it's not some dude with like six pack and just like telling you to have a fucking three wives that you know like just that that message so i appreciate that that's a uh that's a huge compliment because that's what i've always wanted it to be i've I've always wanted to be just like hey look this is what i'm doing yeah helps me anybody want to try it well you know there's something about 
when you have to gather your thoughts enough, you know, like, so I'm sure there's a part of it that's like cathartic in a way to right. where it's like, these are my thoughts. This is how I feel that you're really like honing in. So it's like you're teaching, but learning at the same time. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. I totally agree. Yeah. So when, uh, let, we could probably, I was thinking how we go. It's like, do we start with the skate and the, or, but the money side's probably in there from yeah. like early days as well, you know, because yeah. I've watched some of like the backstory stuff on uh, on your company website. Yeah. So it's like you've always been financially minded, even when you were yeah. doing the skate thing. Yeah, this is the hardest part about like having a having careers that have been polar opposites than the other. It's, you know, anytime I do an interview, it's like, where do you want to start? And yeah. there's a lot of crossover, which makes it hard to, you know, niche down. But yeah, I mean, it, the, I, I was always interested in kind of the idea or concept of money, but not in the sense of like, I want money because I want things. Yeah. Uh, I was always intrigued by the idea that money can make money. Like, I, I don't know what it was about that. Yeah. Even when I was young, I was like, money can make money? What does that mean? It, it, yeah, it just sounded yeah. cool. Yeah. You know, and it was just like that little bit mixed with the fact that I picked a career that was inevitably short-lived. I was a pro skateboarder. So, mm. you know, I, I picked something that historically had a five-year time horizon. And so that was scary, you know? Like, it was scary to, you know, not go to college while all my friends were and pick a career that was going to be short-lived. And I was scared of, you know, what my life would look like after that. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that fear kind of pushed me, you know, extra time or double time to really pay attention to my finances and learn how they work. So that, you know, I, I wasn't ruining the rest of my life after yeah, yeah. pro skateboarding, you know? That's like an interesting mix. It's always, Super. it's like, but it makes sense. Right. Like you lay it out and you're like, oh yeah, that does make sense. Why he would have got into what he got into mm. from such a young age. Because there's a lot of athlete. I mean, that's the athlete dilemma right. is how do you make the, the money last? It's funny. So my brother does athlete management mm. and um, and we were talking the other day about athletes making decisions they they want to have the life where they don't work at the end right right so they try and penny pinch in the moment on stuff that they should be spending money on that like would set them up for right. the future it's like it's very there it's a very conflicted mindset because just like you said money makes money right yeah it's counterintuitive it's like you know they're <sighs> i i think we're naturally taught to save, like if mm. you want to do well, don't spend everything you make, which is true. Yeah. But for a lot of us, it ends there. Like we're not taught what to do afterwards. So you totally see that. Like you see a lot of athletes, at least the ones that are good at not spending everything, they create a lump sum of money. But, you know, when the career ends, they just start drawing from it. So it does give them mm. maybe, you know, some leeway or some cushion. Yeah, you get like a runway. Right, but it doesn't solve the problem, right? The problem is solved when the money starts working for you. Yeah. And that's the thing that most of us aren't taught. Like that that's the frustrating part at least because, you know, I had friends that did, did this. They were athletes for 10 years, saved a significant amount of money, and then they're like, "Okay, now what?" Yeah. And you know, it takes time to figure out what you want to do next. Like some people it's years. Yeah. And then they're like, "Okay, that was good that I got to figure that out, but shit, all that discipline, it's all gone now. I had to spend it." Yeah. And you know? and there's definitely uh have you read Psychology of Money by Morgan? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. 
there's one of the interesting concepts from that book is that essentially it's like you got to pay to play. Mm -hmm. So it's like there is a cost of investing. And I think that that's, there's like a, again, a counterintuitive notion to where it's like you have this lump sum of money in your bank account and you're, you're saving, but you kind of like you have to spend on an investment mm -hmm. and then you have to be prepared for that investment to dip mm -hmm. and you have to be prepared to like hold it, you know, like there's a long game at play and it actually costs you money to be an investor. And I think that and before I read that book, I was, I guess, kind of had that old mindset. It's like, okay, you save, you put 60 grand in the stock account and then that stays 60 grand and just gets bigger. Right. It's like, no, that's 60 grand next week could be worth 40 grand right. and then 20 grand. Like right. there's, you, I mean, that you can go through so many market statistics of like how many times the market's lost more than 20% or more mm -hmm. than 40%. And it's like knowing and going into investing, knowing that you've got to spend money to invest right. is, I think, like a hard point for people to rationalize it sometimes. Is. You know what's fascinating? Have you, have you ever heard the the idea that teachers are some of the best investors? Have you heard this? No. It's fascinating. It's it, it Basically, they say that teachers a lot of times outperform the people who are actually studying the market or like, you know, some of these like DIY investors that pay attention uh, because teachers just every month they put their money in yeah, their, you know, yeah. retirement accounts and it's in a fund and they don't look at it. They yeah. just let it sit. Yeah. And so it goes through the corrections, which you're talking about. But, you know, if you look historically, the corrections work their way into becoming, you know, a continual growth yeah. over a long period of time, yeah. right? You're just, you know, it's, it goes like this, right? They don't touch it. They don't freak out about it. They just keep doing it. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, they retire and they're like, they look like genius investors because <laughs> yeah. the emotion didn't force them to make a bad move and pull out or sell, yeah. right? Yeah. Some of us where we like are too into the weeds, we start making decisions that can actually hinder our investment almost because we know too much that that that's yeah. the that's the fascinating part like there is this like uh how would you say it uh naiveness or 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 uh there is like ignorance is bliss in yeah. some regard yeah. for investors where for they sure. just don't pay attention to it they just put it in a fund you know and let it grow for 30 years they do well well i think it's because so what's the like s&p return it's like, like historical six percent eight percent well like the, the average since inception is closer to 10 oh it's about ten okay. percent yeah the reason why people bring it down to two or, or bring it down to seven or eight is just because of inflation uh, so they'll okay. say like the actual return yeah but yeah, it's about ten yeah. percent but so i think the psychology comes into play right where you go okay so if i just just go with the market and don't pay attention to it then I can make X percent return. So if I just know a little bit more and I just, you know, and I'm wheeling and dealing and I'm going there and I pay a little bit more attention, I should then theoretically be able to beat the market. Right. But that's just really, typically not- Really, really hard to beat the market. <laughs> it's like yep. crazy hard. Yep. And like even by, you know, the best investors only will beat the market by, you know, it's like small percentages. It's right. not like they're- going crazy past it right yeah i have a uh i so it, it's interesting because for me the the true path that i've always found to like great wealth is building business yeah Th that's you know where i've made the most money from like a return is always investing in like the business i want to create and then i've always taken that money and invested it more or less passively right yeah. 
And I remember th- this was probably like five years ago. This is after we had started the the private equity firm. And one of my partners who is you know, still to this day the smartest person I know, has you know, been investing 30 plus years. Uh, he looked at me one day. I was like, kind of like asking him a question. And he goes, yeah, it's hard because you now know too much. Yeah. I was like, well, what do you mean? And he goes, knowing too much actually can be dangerous in, in some regards because you know all these theoretical outcomes that could happen. Yeah. And now you're playing like, what if this happens? What if this happens? And that actually can be bad for an investment. It's interesting. It's like, I would still rather know more than less. Yeah. But it, it, it's fascinating to see at least what the data shows, which is yeah. when you know nothing and you're kind of just being consistent, you actually do better than the majority of the middle ground. And then even the ones that know a lot can still get it wrong, you know? Well, and the, like, obviously, like the black swan concept, right? So yeah. in the same Taleb, that the, by definition, some of the biggest shakeups that happen in the market are things that nobody could predict. They're called right. black swans for a reason. So it's like when historically those things occur and that's what has the biggest shakeups in the market and you cannot predict them, you almost shouldn't have a strategy that involves avoiding <laughs> those, which is in a sense like what you're kind of trying to do right. when you're so, – not to say that like you don't play the game, but I think you need to play the game understanding right. the things that actually make the biggest impact on the market 100%. are these things that nobody can foresee. Right. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. So what was your path to it? Because I, the, the business thing's really interesting because I guess for me, like that's I've always bet on myself right. as, as stupid as that may sound you know but even now with this business it's like it's literally five years in and it's still all in yeah like it's just every month like i'm pretty you have like you have your little operating window that you've got your own little runway that you try and keep Mm -hmm. at least for me this Mm -hmm. is how it works there's a bit of runway there and then whatever's excess of that just gets pumped back into the business can i get more do more ad decks can i do more of this better equipment studio upgrades flights to event like everything is just this continual burn which fucking sucks <laughs> and you there's a i feel like maybe i'm getting to the point where i'm getting over it but that to me is like that's my form of investing if that makes sense well, it's that's just like bus- constantly investing into myself and the business yeah that's entrepreneurship like what what you're explaining every single entrepreneur just went yep yep yeah. yep know what that yeah. feels i mean dude i you know i'm I, we still deal with that today it's like you know, we made a decision last year to take all of our profits and put it all into the business. Like we, we still do that, you know, it, 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 and I get that it's uncomfortable. I totally do. Like I, I struggle <laughs> with the same, of course you do. But the thing that I focus on and what I got to experience with the last business, because we were able to exit it, uh, you will look back and be so thankful that you made those decisions because what the potential outcome can be is humongous. It's humongous, right? But it, feels crappy getting there and totally does like you know we glamorize entrepreneurship to make it seem like it's just like you know cold plunges and traveling it's not like it's brutal right like it's lonely it's exhausting it's frustrating you feel like you are crazy at times 90 percent of your experience is is more pain and and challenge right uh there's certain people that are built for it. I, I love that. Like, I personally love the challenging aspect of having to figure it out, and I hate losing. So I think, like, that part of it's like, I don't – yeah, okay, now what? Now what? Now what? Yeah. But 
the result of what you get to experience if you're willing to get through that, at least from a monetary standpoint, is unlike anything else. And then I also think from a uh, like enjoyment yeah, or, like a, or a fulfillment yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of standpoint, like y- y- you watch yourself build resilience and responsibility and discipline going through that fire, you don't experience that very often without challenge in front of you. So I think ultimately you become better all around. Yeah, you kind of have like an athlete mindset in a way. Like, And I think that's why a lot of athletes make really good businessmen in the end. Um, You know, Mick Doohan, like the- Yeah, yeah. 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 So he's like, he's a full-blown G- like business G he is in a company called global jet. So he's like one of the partners in that he's he's got a bunch of other businesses and bro, he is as savage in business as he was on the track. Right. And I think that there's an element of that you touched on in terms of it's almost like competitive Mm -hmm. in a sense, but the lifestyle that you live, like I guess an entrepreneur lives if they're like really doing it right. It's, very similar to an athlete. Like yeah. You just grind. You just get up. Like you were saying before we even started recording, like, oh, yeah, we're just we're just up for a grind next year. You yeah. know? And you just know that to get X results, it's just purely just like it's you on the laptop. Right. <laughs> it's you and the yeah. email. And it's in the same way that when you're an athlete, it's like you in the gym or like you on the fucking ramp. Yeah, that's right. It's, I, you know, for, for me, like I personally believe that athletes have the ability to become the best entrepreneurs because they possess it, it, it's not just the competitiveness it's like you're talking about a very obsessive personality that's willing to do what most aren't mm. right like to become a professional athlete like you're really talking about like a percent of the 1% right like it's not like the people around you weren't great skaters or basketball players or pick the sport right you're surrounded by great people and you're trying to figure out how to become better than them that's a it's a gift and a curse, but in the sense of business, that's what it takes. Like you're looking around at every, everybody else going, okay, what are they selling? How are they doing it? How do I be better than them? The challenge that athletes have in my perspective and what we have to overcome is most athletes are individual by nature, right? You're not yeah. relying on a team necessarily for you to become the best, right? Like it's a very like, like self-driven personality so having to to learn how to work with teams that was that's an element that I think is hard for us. And then the second thing is figuring out what the next activity is that's going to pull out that savage in somebody, right? Yeah. Like you know, it was hard for me. I see it with other athletes that call me that they're going like, "Hey, I don't know what to do after my sport." Right? You had somebody who understood what they wanted to do. You got the results in that person of just like. I'm here for it, and I'm going to go, you know, 110%. And then they have success in it. And then they're looking around going, okay, what do I want to do? And will that thing bring out the monster yeah. that got me here? Yeah, That's the hardest thing for athletes. I think there's a challenge with our personality that if we're hooked on something, we are incredible, but it's hard for us to just pick something randomly mm. and say, okay, now be the best. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I had to be, I had to grab on to the next thing. Then I became, you know, the the all of the skill sets that brought me to success in my past careers came out. But if I wasn't interested in it, I'm I'm 
I'm useless. It's almost like I'm two different people. Yeah. And I think most athletes are like that. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the thing that grabbed your attention business wise that did bring out that? That's a good question. And were you you business more like, so I remember hearing you saying that you got into real estate young. mm -hmm. Like, so that was one of the first goals that you had, but real estate and business are very different. Totally. Um, And you can be in real estate and it's, it requires a lot of the same um, like skill sets and things, right. but I think it feels different to like the minutiae of like running a, a, a business. Mm. So like, yeah, what grabbed your attention? What did you gravitate towards? When did you go from like real estate to business? Okay. Uh, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going to tell you at least the first time I noticed that I, there was something about business I enjoyed. Uh, I rode for a shoe company called DVS. It's a big yep. skate shoe yep. company. And with that company, I got my first shoe. They'd never had a signature Mikey Taylor, you know, pro model shoe before, which, you know, they told me I was going to have one. And in that experience, for the first time, I got to work with the mm. different verticals or the, 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 the different teams within that organization that all had to come together to build that product, right? I had to work with the design crew. I had to work with the sales crew. I had to work with the marketing crew. And I loved that process. Like, I love the idea of like, okay, what do I want the shoe to look like? Okay, here's the sketches. Well, let's tweak. We got to at least a final drawing. Then you get your first samples. And I fell in love with that process. Yeah. So much so that I came up with this whole basically business plan for me to be more than a pro skateboarder for the shoe company DBS. And I set up a meeting with the president and I presented him this idea. Hey, I want to be a pro skateboarder, but I also want to help with, you know, shoe design and I want to help with the team. And I just like, I had this idea that I wanted to be more. And it was him who basically said, he's a close friend of mine still to this day. Don't do that. Like you are (laughs) tripping, like be a skater. Just be a skater. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I understand why he said it, but how I interpreted it was, I want to be more than this. You're holding me back, and so I'm going to go find somewhere else that I can do this. Yeah, And it was that conversation that then led to me writing for a new shoe company where they were going to allow me to be more involved with shoe design and clothing design and marketing concepts. And then that led to me starting my first business, which was uh, actually a craft brewery. Yeah. The real estate came before that, yeah. but I wasn't actively doing the real estate, right? I was investing passively where I just was trying to get money to work, yeah. right? So th- that was just more a, oh, here's an asset that can accomplish what at least I'm trying to do on the investing side. Yep, boom, 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 right? Yeah. And just like a sense of security too, I'm 100%. sure. A hundred percent. Yeah, hundred. it always felt better to me than the stock market because it felt real. Yeah. And then we did St. Archer which is the craft brewery. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 And then we- Which was a huge success, right? We did well with it. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of one of those uh, rarities for a startup where, you know, we opened doors and it exploded. It was just like- I remember. What year was that? We we opened doors in 2012. That's, uh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So 11 years ago. Yeah. Um, And it was straight vertical growth. It was like, we couldn't keep up, which is not normal, right? That's that's an outlier of a company. We ended up selling our business to Miller Coors and then, man, that would have been a crazy process. It was nuts. Yeah, you would have learned so much. That was that. that was everything because yeah. I had no like, you know, it's interesting because all of my experience has been real life experience, at least on the business side. I didn't yeah. go to school for it. Yeah. Like 
I learned how to design shoes and, you know, what goes into selling shoes. And then, okay, now we have to start this brewery and we have no money to do it. And, okay, what's a business plan? And it was like all of it was learned, right? Yeah. That, was, that, that was basically our college degree, I guess yeah. you could say. When we sold it, I had two other partners, right? My partner, Josh, and my partner, Paul. Paul is still a pro skateboarder to this day and runs a huge clothing brand called Primitive. So yeah. he went into that space. My other partner, Josh, stayed in beverage and has basically a, a, a empire of, of alcohol brands underneath his umbrella. He's That's crushing sick. it there. And then I went into real estate. But the thing about real estate, I, I, I didn't want to just invest in real estate. I wanted to build a business, yeah. right? So technically, I started and run a private equity real estate firm. And our business is investing in real estate. So yeah. you know it's it's almost like a hybrid of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know and e even in that process like when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I had a family friend who grew up on my street. He ended up starting to invest in multifamily apartments and then, you know, 7 years later he's he's worth a, you know, astronomical amount of money. We're still friends with him to this day. So I called him. I'm like, hey, dude, this is what I'm thinking about doing. I just want to kind of run this by you. That, that's a big thing for me. Anytime I want to do a new idea, I'm constantly trying to find people who are like, doing who's it. Who's the and, person right. that I can't, yeah. And, and this guy, I mean, he's got thousands of doors. He's, I mean, he's, he's like mega, mega wealthy. And I was like, hey, dude, I'm thinking about doing multifamily. Like I want to create a, a firm. I want to, you know, open up funds. I want to raise capital from investors. And he was like, don't do that. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm like, why? And he goes, don't bring other people into it. Go do it yourself. You have the money to do this. Go do apartments yourself. Do it like me. No investors, right? And th there was something about that that I felt like I would be bored doing. Like it, yeah. it didn't feel exciting enough. And I, I was concerned that I, I just, I, I, because I wouldn't be interested, I wouldn't be good. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, that's the thing, right? right? So it's like it might not be, quote, unquote, like the smartest or you have enough money from the sale of the company to just like do this and then you don't have to worry about it. Right. But is that going to like give you enjoyment? Is that going to be fun? It's like right. the, the games you win out are the games you enjoy. Correct. And I was terrified of that. Like I, there, there was something about enjoying the last 15 years of being a pro skateboarder and then doing St. Archer – like, it's not that everything was good, it's that I was fulfilled, yeah, right? Yeah. And then the idea that I was going to spend the next 35 years not fulfilled was really scary for me. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, screw it, I'm doing a business. Like, yeah. you know, I'm going to open this thing up, we're going to have a full team, we're going to bring on investors. And, you know, it has its own challenges. You know, we have almost 600 investors. Managing that is a is a can be tough, right? <laughs> but I enjoy the tough. Like yeah. I, I enjoy the the challenge of it. And you know, we started the firm right after St. Archer. Uh, I'm still so like, you know, like what you just talked about. Like eight years later, I feel like I'm still like in the startup mode. And like, yeah. you know, we're like, I, I enjoy it still. It's still so hands-on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. And oh, we're still reinvesting in it, just like you said. Like, yeah. Yeah, because there's, I think it's like a, it's a fool to it's like a foolish way to live your life to expect that you won't have just a fuck ton of problems. <laughs> so it's like how do you then position your life to be dealing with problems that you want to be yep. dealing with? And I think that that's where so much meaning 
comes in, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, you d- it's, it sounds so stupid, but like my, I went to jujitsu one night and I just got fucking smashed. And then at the end of the, I roll with like my, my coach, big Brazilian dude at the end of it. And he's like, how was training, bro? And I was like, fuck, it was hard. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's like, but did you come here for it to be easy? Right. And it was like such a, like a Mufasa moment where right. I was just like, I guess that's not the point. Like, and nothing's easy. So it's like, I might as well be doing the hard things in like areas that I want them to be hard. Like I want to choose the way that I'm pushed and that I have to respond. And I think that, that's what you're explaining you know it's Mm. like i can't no matter what happens like if you just retire and you just fully passively invest in real estate you don't have shit to do the problems in your life are going to be the dude next door with his Mm. blower Mm. and people in the you know making noise in the street like your problems will just become bullshit problems so it's like you've just taken on a life where you're like okay no i have to have problems let's have some problems i enjoy yeah that's pretty profound man that's yeah, we will always have problems. What problems do you want? Oh, right? man, because like we can – it's funny, me and my wife right now. So we've been – we're essentially homeless. But we're, <laughs> okay. we're, we've been homeless for a year basically. Yeah. So we're doing like one-month rental, three-month rental. Like we're just – it's been insane. And we noticed this thing where it's like we – we're the last place we're in. We're like we hated it. And then – my we stay we're like staying at a friend's place now while he's on holidays and it's like awesome and she's like oh we stayed there before and she's like i love this place and then we were there for like a few weeks and then it's like oh but there's a mechanic behind that we never noticed and right. it's like all just problem like life is just it's problems right it's like sometimes maybe good sometimes maybe shit right and if you're not like intentionally living your life hmm. The problems that come up are just like completely out of your control. Yeah. I mean, really what you're talking about is purpose, right? It's like, are you doing the thing you're meant to be doing? And is there a a higher calling that's driving you that makes all of the crap worth it? (laughs) Right? That's really what you're explaining, right? I think when people know that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing, and then they're getting hit with the stupid challenges. That's that's when you start seeing people get frustrated. Yeah, and kind of over it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And it's a very real thing. And it's like it's I, maybe I don't know if people have the perspective of it at times to like think that you know there's things that you can do to change mm. that in a sense. You right. know? But uh, yeah, dude. the majority doesn't seem that to have that. Right. Yeah, but I guess it's hard. Like, I guess it's hard. Whenever I have these conversations, I've, there's so many people that listen that are just like they've got the full time job and mm. they're going to work every day. They're like listening to this mm. on the way to it, and you never want to sound like business is the only way or like you have to change your life and live mm. in this particular way, you know. So it's like that's something I always try and be fairly cognizant of. But it's like even if you are in that situation, mm. which like I've been in that situation before. It's like you can still load your life up with these things that like give you purpose, give mm. you meaning, and like you end up kind of like pushing you into the direction you want to go. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, you know, the, and look, I'm I'm in the business space. Like, I, yeah. you do hear people say like, if you're working a W two, you're a moron. You you hear people say that, which is completely never, not I, true. I've never agreed with it either. Yeah. Like, there's, you know, there's look, there's certain people that are built for building business. Yeah. There are certain people that are amazing when they're plugged into a team. 
yeah. right? And that doesn't mean that you can't make impact, you know, working in an organization. Of course you can. Like you're surrounded by a lot of people. That gives you X amount of opportunities to make impact, right? I, I would just say on both sides, make sure what you're you're doing has a purpose, right? And if you yeah. absolutely hate every second of your life, reevaluate it yeah. and see what change you can make, right? But I don't I don't necessarily agree that if you have a W-2, you need to get out of that as soon as you can. I have a lot of friends that uh, are very fulfilled in their job and have been very successful. And they also have more time in a lot of cases. Like, yeah. you know, you, you do get to a point when you're building business where it can run without you. That mm-hmm. is true. But for the majority of the time, you are sacrificing more of your time than most, right? Yeah. Like the job doesn't turn off for us. The second I wake up to the second I go to bed, it's our business, right? And so you are making an extra sacrifice of your time in a lot of cases when it comes to building business. Yeah. Uh, W-2, when you come home, it's over. You know, it's like for most people, it's like you have more time available with your family, with your friends, et cetera. So I think like anything, there's pros and cons. Yeah, and there is ways, I guess, from the like the financial standpoint too. There's ways to make really great money and and be like you said that that school teacher uh, i think in the start of psychology and money he uses the example of some janitor that retired with 16 million dollars that's in, right in the four, his 401k right. or like in his pro- portfolio and it was just a guy that was on minimum wage that for 60 years just bet on the market right. and then relied on the power of compound interest yeah. so it's like it's not even that you need to be in business to have the, like this crazy level of financial freedom. Like right. you don't even have to be uh, in a well-paying job, you yeah. know? No, that's right. The, it, probably the biggest mistake we make is that we think income is wealth, yes. right? We, we judge like how wealthy we are based on how much money we're making. They're not the same. Right. That's actually a really good point. I know, and, and, it, and, it, and it even hurts people who make a lot of money, right? Like you're making two, three, seven, eight hundred grand a year, and you're like, I'm crushing it. Look <laughs> at all this money I'm making. And in the grand scheme of things, you could actually be setting yourself up to fail because you're not doing anything to build wealth. Yeah. But the teacher who's, you know, plugging away 60, 75 grand a year who is investing, they actually, in a lot of cases, are building more wealth than the person making three, 400K a year, yeah. right? So it's like, you know, can this person set themselves up to grow their wealth? 100%. They have more income. That's powerful. But we have a problem when we assume that wealth and income are the same. Uh, that is a devastating mistake. Yeah, because you're. it's like that lifestyle bloat. Like you start making more money and then you start buying more shit and right. you start going more expensive clothes and better cars. Right. And like you can just end up being nowhere. Like there needs uh, – one of the big, I guess, money pieces of advice, like I never paid attention enough to like ever through my life. And I think that people people don't really get taught about money at school. I know your dad – taught you a lot about money but for most people like it's a very taboo subject especially like we come from a pretty low income family so money was always like a negative thing it Mm. was never associated in a positive light it was always negative Mm. so then it was i think your uh like your psychology gets a little bit warped as to like what money actually is like you had a concept of like that money could make money 
and it, I had a concept of like, fuck, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. So it's like people have these kind of different starting points in in life, but generally, like for the majority of people, no matter where your starting point is, like it's just not an open conversation. Right. It's not a focal point of education. I mean, one of the I always like your comments, like the the comments that I'll see. Uh, no one taught me about this at school. No one taught. We're just not, right. you know, we're not sort of taught it at all. And when I started to, I was like making the same amount of money. But when I really started to pay attention to how everything was getting spent, mm. what was coming in, when it was coming in, cash flow, like writing like a, every couple of weeks, I'll just fully make like a mind map almost of like how much I've got, how much is coming in, how much I need to spend, what bills are going, just to be like on top of it. Right. And so many, I think for so many of like the average person out there it's just not they're not doing their own zero they're not doing their own bookkeeping they're not like you know balancing the checkbook like back in the day right. it's all just on apps like and people are living off just their current what's in their bank account mm. and it's like i think even just the taking the step of like getting a zero importing all your accounts about even if you're not it's not a business or whatever you know just like see where you're at in terms of money in money out trends over the last couple of months just at the more like you can educate yourself on your own situation i think can just make the biggest mm. difference a hundred percent yeah yeah it's hard because the your your parents in my perspective play the biggest role on your outlook well ultimately to life yeah. And, you know, money is Money's part of our, part of yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, if you, my wife, for example, my wife grew up in a family that uh, was a little bit more emotional with money. Like, mm. you know, anytime anyone spoke about money, my wife like immediately had like more of like an anxiety kind of yeah. feel. Like, I don't want to get me away from it. Right. It was like a trigger for her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Where my family, which was a very similar income, you know, from a household yeah. income, like my dad and mom, like they never really, you know, never really stressed about it. Like, you know, if my my mom got a ticket or my dad got a ticket, it wasn't a huge fight. It was mm. okay. That sucks. Uh, you know, pull it out of this account. Yeah, yeah and it yeah. was just like a more of a just okay. Yeah, that's just what it is. That was the biggest impact that was made on me is that I just didn't view money as like a a problem in a sense. Correct. Yeah. Right. You know the the the. The challenge is, it, it, I, I think the walls that we create are are the biggest hindrances on what we can accomplish, and it's it, they're all imaginary. It's all done by yeah, us, yeah. right? And there is an aspect of that that's generational, right? There's even things that I have to work mm. through that I picked up from my parents because they picked up from their parents correct. that lived through like the depression Co or yeah, correct, yeah. right? And it's like. You're going to have to work through it one way or the other. It's just, is the wall that I'm struggling with going to be larger than yours? Who Maybe That's in some so cases true, and not eh? others, right? Yeah. And so you just have to put yourself in a position where you're going, you know what? I'm going to knock down the walls. Like I'm recognizing that they're there mm. and I'm going to start working at getting rid of them or going over them or going around them, right? If that is your mindset, you're going to do so much better. The yeah. challenge is when you go, there's a wall, I'm done. That's yeah, what screws yeah. people, yeah. right? Yeah, it's actually, it's so true. So my, my wife's Russian, her mom, uh, 
just grew up in the Soviet Union. <laughs> like, Not really. Insane to think that's like one generation, you know. Yeah. And so like my wife was weren't before we were married and uh, she was like working in China, making good money. And her mum would be like sitting in her house in Vladivostok, freezing in winter and just wouldn't reach out. And Anna's like got money always sends her money like it's crazy the cultural difference too like east versus west like she would literally send basically half of her income to her mum mm. every single not just no matter what and uh but yeah and then that her mum's like taking that money that she's getting saving it not spending it freezing mm. and then anna only finds out because she goes to hospital for pneumonia and it's like that's she's so like saving her money for a rainy day right. and it's fucking pissing down rain yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> right right now right. so yeah it's just the the different like mental i guess like attachments and walls like right. you said around money that right. just end up completely controlling like how you see situations yeah yeah and look there's other like you know you might not have a wall in front of you that that makes you feel like you can't go out and earn money yeah. right but you might be struggling with a, a parent who worshipped money, mm. right? That's just as bad in my perspective. Like, you know, if, you're, if, you, if you think that by having money, that's what makes you accomplished and respectable and happy, and it, it, it's only going to create a different slew of problems, right? Mm. It's, it's like, I think we just all have to accept. Our parents are going to give us some things that are good and some things that are bad. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm going to do the same for my kids, right? Yeah. Uh, Run with the things that are good and be willing to get through the things that are bad. If yeah. that's your outlook, you're going to do great. Do you you think, know, just don't give up. Like, don't, don't like, the yeah. second you take the, the woe is me or the, the, the victim well, this is approach. Where, or even just the, this is where I am. Yeah. You're dead in the water. You're yeah. dead in the water. Just do, avoid that at all costs. So do you think people, like, what do you see money as then? Me? Because I guess- it's like, what's my personal outlook? Like, what's your, yeah, what is money to you? Like, if you had to just go, like, f the fundamental definition of, like, what money, like, what does it mean to you? Okay, money, I I've always viewed money as a tool. Nothing more, really. But one of the coolest explanations or, or views of what money is was from somebody that said, Money is a representation of your contribution to society, Yeah. right? The more you're able to contribute, the more money in theory you can make, right? And kind of the, the analogy he gave was, you know, you can start a landscape business in your neighborhood. Maybe you're, you know, helping 20 of the households and you're blessing 20 families. And in turn, you get to make X amount of dollars, right? Yeah. But then you could create the iPhone, and change the way the world consumes information. And now you just built something that changes all people's lives. Yeah. And now the money is, you know, in relation much greater. I like, I actually really like that example of it. Um, but at the end of the day, I've, I've always thought that money simply gives you options. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was going to be my next question. So it's like, what is money? And then what is it for? Because I think, Again, looking at my own life and the different phases of my life, your perspectives change. 
you know, and I think that there probably is like a best perspective. Like mm. there is the best idea that we currently have. And then there's ideas that are just progressively worse right. than that, you know? Right. So it's like, and then, yeah, what is it? And then what is it for? Like you think it gives you options. Yeah. I, like, look, I think there's, there's a point in which you're in survival mode. Yeah. Right. Uh, so consider that you're not, you're not fighting to just eat one day, right? Yeah. From that point on, I, I, I truly just think it's options. Like the more you have, the more, more choices you get to participate in. Yeah. I really, I think that's it. Like, you know, if you have a, an arsenal of cash, well, you get to choose if you want to go on vacation. You get to choose if you want to go into work. You get to choose if you want to donate. You just, you just have more choices to make. Yeah. Right? Um, but I think where people... The biggest challenge that I've seen with people around me, and then the thing that I've always wanted to avoid personally, uh, I I think money is a magnifier. I, I think money just highlights who you already are. Mm -hmm. And if you struggle with selfishness, give somebody money, you're only going to see more of that. If you know you're somebody who has a you know, huge ego or big insecurities, you're just going to see more of that. But on the alternative, if you're somebody who like loves giving and love helping, I think you get to see more of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a scary thing, right? Like it's, the, the idea that money can expose your flaws, uh, I don't know. I've always been conflicted with that. Like am I like deep down inside, like am I okay? Like am I going <laughs> to highlight something that I don't even know is there and – uh, but I think that concern actually makes you work out a lot of the, the yeah. inner issues that normally you wouldn't spend time on. Yeah. You know, why am I doing this? Why do I want more money? Why do I want to invest? Like, what is at the root of it? And I think if you get to a point where you're like, I want people to respect me. Uh, I want people to think I'm important. I want to be happy. If those are your reasons, you're going to get money and then you're going to have this holy crap, why am I still upset? Yeah. Why didn't this fulfill it? It's going to rock your world. Yeah. So I, I would say work out those issues first and then find the, same, the, the correct path after. Yeah, that's actually such good advice and such a good perspective. I mean, how many dudes like even the post malone song rich and sad <laughs> like i right, look most most so many people most wealthy people we know actually don't have lives that we truly want to emulate right mm. most of them you know have broken marriages broken relationships with kids most most of them only have things mm. right i don't want that i want i want to have a thriving marriage i want my kids i want to have a relationship with my kids i want my kids to thrive like you know, I want friends that I don't have to worry if they're only friends with me because I have things. Like, I want real ones, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, and unfortunately, we just don't have a lot of good examples of of what it truly looks like to be successful in all aspects, right? Like, finance isn't the only aspect to be successful in. Mm -hmm. There's a whole slew of them, right? And usually, the examples we have of the people that succeed with money are only succeeding in that one space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very, very true. Yeah. And there's always a thing that happens that I've personally seen where people will they'll make money and they'll like buy all the shit and they'll do all like the money things that you're supposed to do when you make a heap of money, only to realize that now they just hang out with people that have 
more shit <laughs> than they do, right. more money than that. Like, there's just always a bigger fish, right? And it's like I would always, I would always say to people like, I just know all of the like the the most successful wealthy people that like the dudes in my life that I know where it's like they clock the game, like right. they won the game of life. They all end up on a farm, on a tractor, mowing the grass, right. <laughs> you know? Right. And it's like to begin the game, like knowing what the end goal is. Mm. And it's just like they're just all old dudes sitting on a tractor, like mowing around their avocado trees. Right. And it's like that's pretty sick. And right. there's no um, – there might be a Ferrari in the shed or whatever, but it's just like there's not – the life that they live isn't about like the accumulation of things. And right. it's like, even you spend $200 million on a yacht, it ain't even going to be the best fucking yacht. Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's such like a, it's such an infinite game. Like to be the guy that wins that game. Yeah. It's like literally one dude on the world. Like your odds aren't that good. Yeah. But that, I think that's the thing. Like if you're trying to be the guy, uh, even if you're able to accomplish it, it will be for a short amount of time. Right? Yes. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, it's interesting because it, it, maybe this is just popping up in my head, but I got I, Andrew, Ta uh, Andrew Tate video popped up on my uh, TikTok. Yeah. Right. And he was basically talking about this idea that, you know, men should thrive to be successful because then they're going to basically be able to have more options of who they're going to date and marry. Right. It's kind of, you know, Painting it out through the picture of, like, you want to be responsible so that, like, a girl actually thinks you're valuable, yeah, right? Yeah, And, th look, there's a, there's a part of that that, you know, I, I think he's correct in, but it's not – I don't think it's the success it, part. I think, like, you know, when – you know, something that, like, my wife and I used to always talk about when I was younger is, like, she wanted to see that when I was young, I was making the steps of wanting to become better, taking on more responsibility. It's like – I didn't have to be a you know multimillionaire for her to go, you're finally worth it. Yeah. It was like she just wanted to see that I was gonna be able to be the guy who, you know, she could count on for having to, you know, if I lead the family or make this, you know, it's like I think it's just looking at the qualities of somebody and seeing if somebody wants to improve versus if you have money, you get chicks. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sold on that actually. Like you will you'll get hot girls, but that's not enough for me. Like I, I think yeah. you want substance there and Having money doesn't equal substance in a partner. Well, yeah. and also options is kind of what you don't want. <laughs> like <laughs> too many options, yeah, can like be dangerous. Yeah, totally. like you kind of don't want options, right? Like, and that's uh, one of the weird. I don't know whether that happened to you, but like when you actually like get married and you're like, okay, we've done it. Like paperwork's <laughs> not like it's just us now. Right. That was a fucking great day in right. my mind. For the pure fact of like, it's over. Mm. Like that part of my life, like that hunt, that grind, mm. that. And there, there's a th theoretically like it could not be over. Like people go through divorce or whatever. But it's like, okay, if I just water this garden, don't let any of the plants die. Like, sweet. We're good. I don't have to, I don't have to look for other gardens. I don't have to like try and cult. Like I've got a patch of grass here. Like mm. this is my spot. And now I can water it. Mm. The times in my life that were the worst is when I had fucking too many options. Right. Like you end up giving nothing to anybody, right. you know? So it's like, I think even that option, that notion of options is like yeah. th almost the worst idea that you can have. Like you don't want options. You, yeah. you can't have a person that uh, is perfect and has everything. That mm. person doesn't exist. But it's like find one that has some good morals, good values that are right. in line 
because you're not going to be hot forever. Right. You know, you're not. <laughs> right. <laughs> I watch, I talk about it all the time on here, probably too much, but I watched this YouTube video of this 97 year old dude and he was like a professor. He actually wrote a book about death. I think like the opening line of the video, he's like, oh, I, I, I'm a professor and I, I literally wrote the book upon death and now I'm getting closer to it. I really don't know anything about it. And I was like, fuck, like it fully hit me. And just watching this dude live, it was like a kind of couple days in the life of this guy. And he had a full-time carer. And this chick's just pulling him in and out of his walking frame. And it's just like, that's so fucking real. <laughs> and like when you're a dude on a yacht in Dubai with 20 chicks around, you're like, you're going to right. be that guy one day, bro. Right. Like right. set yourself up to be that guy. Right. And man, it that perspective is not sexy mm. it's like depressing and it's sad but like we're all gonna be that fucking guy all like right. life expectancy is getting longer and your body is just still the body mm. like you need to set yourself up for that and having a good wife great kids right. you know there's there's in the same way that compound interest is the most powerful force for money it's also the most powerful force for relationships. Mm. You know, like, I don't know how long you've been with your wife, but it's like, go start a person today. Open a new bank account. Sure, put in all of your time, all of your... all of your. You have zero effects of compounding. And it's like that same with your friends, your mm. oldest friends that you have. Like, start a new friend group. You know, see the value of even the compounding in relationships. Like, even if it's friends that you've been friends forever the relationship's kind of rocky for whatever reason but it's like you've been friends for 20 years mm. the amount of compact like yeah the market might be down right now but the compounding <laughs> effect of like what you've got invested in that person in that relationship right. like compounding replies to a relationships as well yeah it's really good yeah 100 percent. yeah i mean you know I've, i'm coming up on 14 years of being married i was with my wife five years before that Damn, 19 uh, years. Yeah, it's been a long time. Years. And I've known her for, let's see, 25 years. Wow. I've known her a long time. That's um, so cool. It is cool. Yeah, definitely. She was my neighbor growing up. No so, way. Yeah, yeah. So it's like one of those like, you know, Cinderella stories. But I, I couldn't agree more. Like I'm, I'm closer with my wife now and more in love with my wife now than at any time. And that's after very very hard challenges right mm. that's that's going through the trenches together uh that that was formed so you're correct i've never looked at that's such a cool way to look at it i've never looked at it that way yeah it's just it's the same mm. thing as a bank account you yeah. know like you put you guys put a lump sum in an account 25 mm. years ago and it's just your dollar cost average <laughs> your right. way to 20 you know 15. so what you're saying is when people split up they're selling at, at a bottom yeah, well, yeah, because the market can still go. Right, the market can go down. Dude, I think, man, me and my wife haven't even been married a year, and I'm like, right. fuck, where it yeah. goes down, it goes up, it goes down. Like that's the nature of like life 100%. and relationships. And yeah. I, I was definitely the guy like before in previous like long term relationships, like living mm. with a person. It's like, yeah, shit got. You have one fight, and you're like, you're halfway out the door. You mm. know, like you just look because you think that someone's better something's and it's like no bro like mm. there's just you you need to build over time with with people and right. that's not taught in oh. a in a big way either you know i, like I, I think uh it's funny you mentioned like andrew tate and the whole social media thing 
isn't it crazy watching the way that it sways like even the feminist movement mm -hmm. to now there's the trendy thing on instagram is the like stay at home yeah, girlfriend yeah. and like i don't want to i don't want to be a boss bitch anymore like right. that's kind of going out the, the <laughs> women see it like just right. these big ebbs and flows mm -hmm. but it really seems like that's kind of going out the window in, yeah in you're terms seeing of content a, yeah you're seeing a, a snap back i guess right or you saw it swing just one like way and now it's yeah. yeah yeah it's fa it's it's fascinating to watch it now through the lens of social media like you yeah. just see it all and it seems like it comes in hot and fast and from every angle you know it's interesting the, but i think it's the, it, like look I, I i have this conversation all the time cuz i have young kids now and like uh, the idea of like social media and you know how how the, the bad that social media can be uh you know, we also wrestle with the good of it, you know? And it, like, I do think it is good that, you know, we can work out a lot of these issues and people get to watch how kind of the sausage is made, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. I think that's good. Um, that doesn't mean social media doesn't have challenges. It's like money, right? It's like, yeah. it can be used for good and it can corrupt the crap out of you. Yeah. Same with social, you know? What, uh, how do you feel about, like social media and kids and screens and like that that whole thing it's a wild wild west for parents I yeah feel like. it's like i'm i'm the parent group that's figuring this out right yeah, like yeah like my generation is having to solve this problem um and i think i have a little bit of a unique take on it because i use social media for everything i do yeah. right it's been such a powerful tool for me so this is at least where I'm at now. And anybody listening, watching, just know that this may change. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to figure this out yeah. in real time. Uh, we are we are very, very limited with what we allow our kids to do with the phones. Uh, they are not on any social media. My oldest is 11, so they're still young. Uh, when uh, when we allow them to do that, will probably, probably be later than where most people do or most parents do. Um, but I am... And my wife, we, we are attempting to teach them skill sets that they can then apply to mm. social media to use it for whether they want to build a business or whatever they want to do. I'm just trying to do it behind the scenes of actually social, uh, of actually using social media. So like, you know, an example of it would be, I really want to get to the point where we're creating like a Etsy store, we're creating some type of store yeah, yeah. that they can then sell product through, right? Yeah. But before that, we've been doing kind of a real life example. Okay, girls, what product do you guys like? Oh, we like doing these, you know, uh, garland balls. Okay, let's order a bunch of felt and let's build these garland balls. Let's package it. Let's shoot photos, right? And let's go to a uh, farmer's market and sell it. So we're going through that experience. So at least they can have the physical concept of what it takes to have an idea, create something, and then sell it, right? Yeah. Then mixed with, like, I'm trying to create videos with the kids that we are not putting on social media. Yeah. But I want them to get used Just to have the experience. creating content, yeah. right? Yeah. And then there will be a time where we bring it all together and go, all right, girls, we're going to create a store. This store is the digital example of what we did in real life. All right, Scarlett, Amelia, you know how we make these videos of storytelling? Okay, now we're going to create those and we're going to use it to sell the product, right? I am just not sold yet on what age that is. I don't know yet, you know? Like, as of right now, is it 12, 13, 14, 15? For us, no, it's too young for us. Yeah. Um, but do I want them to completely avoid social media? No, I, I believe that that their generation 
will only use it. Like yeah. the, the idea, like it, it's interesting. I think about this all the time. Right now you can get away with business without social media. Like there's a, there's a small time when you can do that yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. right? But the generations that are gonna come, right? Gen Z, alpha, they're not like my generation, right? They, they didn't grow up and then all of a sudden social media was introduced to them. They grew up in social media. They, they are content creators by birth, right? Mm. When they come in and start building business, you better imagine that social media is going to be completely, you know, intertwined in their business and they will be unbelievable at creating content. Yeah. And if you're a business now and think you're going to compete with them, you won't. You, you will be forced to close, yeah. right? And so, you know, the people that are just like, I'm not doing it, like, I don't care, I'm not doing it, your time is limited. Yeah. For that generation, and now where my kids are going to be, because my kids are in the alpha generation, I want my kids to be able to compete with, you know, their peers. Like, if my girls want to start a business, like, they better have the tools and skill sets to compete. Yeah. And that's going to be a big part of it. So I'm not going to neglect it. I just want to create enough in them to be able to use it for good as opposed to worshiping themselves through it. Yeah, yeah, no. Don't want that. That seems like a a great strategy because, yeah, I mean, you you can't avoid it these days. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, yeah, because I think that there's a a difference between being an active creator and a passive consumer. Mm -hmm. And social media is probably like the worst example, like the gnarliest example of are you either an active producer or a passive consumer. If you're just a purely a passive consumer of Instagram, like there is a hundred billion dollar company with all of those resources that are just like that using you, uh, they're like farming you for like data information. But not just that, it's like they're just selling to you constantly. And so much of your... Oh, like even like yourself in a sense like gets molded by like mm. what you're shown that you really have like no kind of control over like the things that you buy the places that you go the thing like culture is so shaped by those devices and mm. I think the antidote to that is to become some kind of creator mm. in that ecosystem because then you like can fully understand the relationship like mm. you understand how things work in a sense right but i think that that's probably like the most balanced way to do it but like do you do the kids have like a pull to screens like is it something that you notice in them or do you think it's like how they're raised no my kids they, they no you give them a screen they just want it in front of their face they won't yeah, let it, that, go. it you, seems you, like 100 percent. you yeah. have to like you know what what we do is we give them time frames yeah. right like you get to you know play roadblocks or you get to do something on the phone or the iPad for 45 minutes. Yeah. And when that time is done, it is done. It's gone. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, it's not just the kids like, dude, you can, we can oh, fall we, into yeah, that yeah, trap. Bro, like for dude, sure. the freaking how dangerous TikTok is. You pick that thing up and seriously, 45 minutes later, you're like, what, where did my life just go? Yeah. Right. Like yeah. the algorithm is too brilliant yes. for entrapment of our attention or, or trapping our attention. Right. And a kid, of course, yeah, of course, right? Like, you got to be careful with that. Yeah, that that's one thing that I get really worried about is mm. just like the it's like gravity 
You just, just got to create rules. That's it. Just create yeah. rules. You know, it's like the kid, well, you're going to learn about kids if, if or when you have kids. They're little sponges. Yeah. Like the, all they do is consume. Right, yeah. it's like it's like they're built for it. Like the, I am at the age I just need to learn. learn if it's learn, not learn, content, learn. it's something. It's a hundred percent right. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. watch what you do. They're gonna listen to their friends or listen to the teacher. They're gonna take something from a show. Like they are in the age of discovery. Correct. Yeah, just constant right? discovery. Yeah, and so you got to be really careful with what you're giving to them. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the you're talking about the foundation. Like you're talking about the most important kind of pivotal moment in what will become the next adults or the next yeah. generation yeah. running the show. Like, what foundation are you creating for them? And is it a strong one? Yeah. You know, like, you could, by not being involved, you're running the risk that their foundation is going to become weak. Yeah. And then when they become adults, you're running the risk of something breaking. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I don't want that. Like, I want like I want my kids to be able to go through challenge. Yeah. You know, I want them to get hit with something hard and be able to get through it. I don't want the lightest little thing to break them. Yeah. And you because you, you end up – I was only just thinking about this the other day. We had dinner with a friend, and he's 25. And he's like – he just had his first big breakup. I was, he was with his chick for five years or mm-hmm. whatever. And so he's kind of like going through that figuring out himself again now and i was saying to him that like i think my brain changed at like 27 28 like i just introspection just like i was always introspective but in a in a quite a weird way like it was a it wasn't um you end up like what you said about your kids like that it's developmental right Mm -hmm. you end up like all of the things that happened to you as a kid you're just on autopilot until you're like 28. Mm. Like you kind of don't even stop to take a breath in a sense, like to take stock of who and what you are until Mm. you're like in in like a meaningful way. I think you can do it in a way that's all just a part of that like momentum Mm. that you've kind of created. But it's like your brain has a bit of a shift right before 30 and you realize that it's all just, that that developmental time like everything you've got is a result of your childhood where you were born who your friends were who your parents were who their friends were mm. the school that you went like it's all just this amalgamation of like your life and it rolls into your 20s when you're and that's why i think people say it's like that young time where you're discovering mm. you're careless and you're and I think it's you're just on this like full on autopilot, like just a stream of consciousness until mm. you're, you know, in your late twenties, and you're like, "Holy fuck, I'm like, I'm an adult now. Mm. Like, what happened? Where, where did all this go?" Right. And it's like, you you need to be as mindful as possible. I think that's where like great parents, great friends, like you end up being the five some of your closest friends, mm. or you know, and that is all so so true, you know, right, a hundred percent. Yeah, and a good heartbreak will get you there quicker. Some people never get over it, too. They have to. It's such a good thing to happen. It sucks when it does, but it's so good. But have you seen, like, 40-year-old – you would have, like, 40-year-old friends where it's, like, it it happened to them and they they went through their whole life just being completely dialed, coolest dude in school, and then it happens and then they just can't get it Yeah, but I think that's the foundation part, right? Mm. Like, there's – you know, I think, like, my generation's running the the big risk of this, like – our, our generation had it so good, there was no problems, right? So it's like you get hit with something that hurts and you, you don't know how to deal with it, right? Like, 
I think that's more an example of it. Like, you you know, getting your heart broken is brutal. Like, it <laughs> yeah. feels like your whole world got flipped upside down. Like, sucks, right? Everybody who's gone through it, it sucks. If you had never gone through anything like that and all of a sudden the first time you get hit with this in your 40s, yeah, that could be a devastating blow. <laughs> yeah. You know, the hope is that you're going through painful things when you're young, learning that it yes. isn't the end of your life yeah. and you will get through it and actually it becomes good again. That's that's what builds the resilience for more challenging times to come, right? Like when I get hit in the face now, it's like, okay, this is temporary. It'll, yeah, it'll, yeah, I I'll feel it. better. I get it. You know, <laughs> yeah. like we're a perfect example. We're on our, we have our fourth child now. She's not sleeping through the night. We're up every night. Why do you look right? so tired, bro? Right. Seriously. I'm up every night. That's why. <laughs> my first, it was similar. And I remember the feeling for my wife and I was, oh my gosh, we're never sleeping again. Mm, right. Ever. Yeah. That's what you, yeah. It, when you have kids, it yeah. feels like the moment that you're in is forever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's gone. And so that's comforting now knowing like, oh yeah, we're not sleeping through the night. This is brutal. It's for a time. It'll be good again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? We've been through this. Yeah, but that that type of outlook helps for a future challenge. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and getting that young hundred percent just set you up yep. in, in such a different way. Yeah, I like the compound interest uh analogy you just gave, mm. right? The younger you start investing, the 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 bigger that pile is gonna become. Uh I like that you can make that comparison with a lot of things. Well, it's everything. Right. You know, like fitness, right. diet, business, mm. you know, like the have you have you read Atomic Habits? Of course. Yeah. yeah. So I mean that, that I think I really got it from that book is just that curve. Right. You know, it's just the comp at one percent every yeah. day and then you see that curve and it's like if you look at my YouTube analytics over five years, it looks like that curve. Yeah. You know, you can gauge that in your fitness you can see that in your you know bank if you do certain things right it's like that curve like that's a force of nature mm. so it's like it it makes sense in my mind to try and relate that curve to as many places like as that. possible you know no, that's good i like that so where do you see social media going because you know like the conversation <laughs> we're just having about like your kids and then when they get into social media and business but like you're if your girl's 11 like by 21, she's probably going to be making a hundred and something grand a year through whatever business that she's doing. But it's like, what's the format? Because mm. it probably won't be Instagram. And it's like, I feel like we're on the cusp of a society-wide change mm. when it comes to just AI and the metaverse. Like right. the the whole probably should have bought Facebook stuck mm. a while ago when it tanked when when Zuck was announcing all the metaverse stuff because mm. like he's right. I, just, I don't see any way in which he's not right. He might not be right right now, mm. but man, I can tell you that we will just be living in some kind of fucking yeah. metaverse. You yeah. Know? Being early can be bad, right? Um, Too early. Yeah. Like I look, uh, I'll answer the question, but the, is Zuckerberg right about the idea yeah, yes. I think so, yes. Is Zuckerberg the person that's going to create that? In my perspective, no. Zuckerberg's yeah. I don't view as a creator. Um, but what what does social look like? I think for my gen, I'm a millennial. So my generation, it's, you get to see everything I'm doing, right? There's yeah, like yeah. every struggle, every challenge. You know everything about my real life, right? But my generation chose that. If you look at Gen Z, right, we were talking about like, they grew up in this. Gen Z didn't choose that. And and 
part of me thinks that they're going to be the generation that kind of snaps back and wants some separation between their real life and what you see on social media. I feel like I'm in that boat right, right. Like pretty heavily. Okay, how, how old are you? I'm 40, 41. So you're only just a few, I'm 35. So you're only a, a few years yep. older. Yep. But I feel like I'm in that where it's like, I'm very, like, it's weird to say, like I'm extremely public, but like I don't really post my life much at all. My stories, right. my like, I try and have like a fair bit of distance from it. So right. I feel like, yeah, you're so, right. You can see that. So, but the, the, you, you can definitely see how like with like the millennial generation that ran with it, like people who follow you, for a lot of people, they know everything about you yeah. and you'd never met them, right? Yeah. I think Gen Z, you're going to see a change. And I think with Alpha, you're, it's going to be radically different. I think they're going to have like kind of what you were referring to. They're going to have a digital personality yeah. that's going to be very different than their real life. It's going to be more of the like, I think it will be more of like a metaverse type of reality where you've got your avatar, right? And that avatar is what everyone sees in the digital space. And that will be used to do... Maybe a lot of the stuff we're doing now, right? Creating content, value, entertainment, selling stuff. But like the real life version, I don't think is going to look like the digital version. Yeah. I think there there's going to be more of a separation between the two. Like I'd a be down plug in, plug out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting, actually. Because yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you'd. Yeah. I, I guess I don't know what your experience is with it. But I, yeah, I, I feel like right now I have two lives mm. in a sense. You know, like there's a there's a person that I can be where I can live in my phone and live on my YouTube analytics and live in my YouTube comments and like just live in, on platforms mm. and I can interact with people on there and I can post stories and I can share and I can like the content that lives there and it's like very curated and it's very like we produce our content, you mm. know, and and then I'll see people in the real world that know that person mm. and then I be that person. And it's very close to like, I'd say who I actually am, but in terms of like what people know, what people see, that sort of thing, it's like very separate. Mm. But yeah, you can kind of see like, Oh, I'm this guy. And then I'm like, I'm like, people listen to me. They know they they know the way I talk to know. Right. So they, they'll have a comment. Like it ends up kind of being like this mm. in a way. And then you just go, my wife just doesn't, she never listens to any of it. She never, you know, my friends don't listen to the, a lot of them don't listen to the podcast. So it's like, I just go forever without it even being a thing, mm. you know? And it's, so there is like a very clear distinction, but then there's also, I could see a way where I could just live there. Right. Like I could just be that guy and then that guy would go into my private life <laughs> right. and then I'd be that guy all the time. And I think that's one of the things you see with there, like a, like a, there's a jujitsu dude like Gordon Ryan, who he's just like, he's got this online persona and then he's like, just constantly lives in real life. And you just mm. end up playing this character. And it's like, who are you right. <laughs> at right. the end of the, at the end of the day, you know? So yeah, there is, a way that you can really separate like a digital and a real life. Mm. It's quite strange to think yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, you can't, I mean, yeah, especially when you start going into like the personalities, like I have a digital personality. <clears throat> I don't have that so yeah, much. Yeah, I don't like, have that For either. me, it's yeah. more like, look, I'm an extrovert. Like I'm good with people. I'm kind of an open book. Like for the most part, what you see is what you get. Yeah. But there, there's definitely certain things that you don't see. Like, 
you know, I, I well, just that you like people see you stood up straight, you know, like yeah. even the visuals of it, right? And uh, people don't see you like slouching at home no, over a coffee totally, and no. like with fucking avocado on your face. Yeah, they don't see like yeah. the tired you who's like, yeah. you know, like the, you, the, you know, kids the kids say something, you're snapping, you're like, gosh, I should have done. They don't see that. Yeah. They don't see the yeah. flaws as much. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting. But I wonder, yeah, I just wonder where the, like, do the kids just live in that space? Like, because the thing that brings it to mind in terms of just for right now is like the people that play fucking call of duty for 20 hours a day mm. and people that are Fortnite and world of Warcraft and like dudes that are like making, like think about a Minecraft guy, right? I don't know. Do you know much mm. about Minecraft? Yeah. Yeah. I don't play it, but I know it. Yeah. yeah. So you, there's guys that there'll be like 14 year olds that build these Minecraft servers that they can sell for like three, four, 500 grand, like just multi-millionaire kids off Minecraft. Then it's like to do that, you've got your headset on and you're just like in your room plugged in 20 hours a day and you're just getting Uber Eats all the, and you're just in. And then your friends are online and you don't really have any, like the real world, you've got more going on on your online self than you do mm-hmm. in the real world. And, you know, then it just becomes, you've just got this like super inconvenient meat suit that you've got to like shower and has to piss and shit and you got to stuff it full of food. So there's already people that choose to live pretty digitally, Mm -hmm. you know, or then there's people that they choose to have this like crazy online persona that like their whole life is Instagram stories. and So... There, there is such a way already that right. people can live online. Right. And it's like, we just don't have the tech to make it a fully immersive experience. Like, right. think about when you can, it's like VR, but there's like a way, there's some porn company will make something you can put on your dick. Right. That like, you don't even have to, like it, and what you're seeing, it's like all gets, re- it's over at that point. I you know, know, like think about a society where like, you don't even have to have sex in the real world. I know. And we're not that far away. And that's the scary part. We are not that far away. And that feels like to- Yeah, like Black Mirror and Ready Player One. You're like, dang, that was okay. They were like- The Matrix. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, you talk about like Black Swan events. You're just like, who knows what happens? Right. Like what happens after when we get to that point? Like who's going to sweep the roads? You wonder, I guess you talk about like the pendulum swings- so it's like, what happens in the real world when the pendulum just swings right. so digital? Right. Like, it's probably going to be pretty dope in I'm some, here for in it. some like, ways, too. I'm here for it. I think this is, like, the most exciting time to be alive. So I'm, I'm, I am I'm, like it. That doesn't yeah. mean I'm, like, not tripping on some of the stuff I'm seeing, but <laughs> yeah. it's exciting well, we don't have You don't have a choice. And no, it's worth this the, is where This is why we were, we were born for this time. Yeah. yeah. And it's worth thinking about. Right. You know, just to, because you can position yourself in, like, in certain ways mm. um have you have you heard much of naval ravenkant stuff Mm-mm. oh dude i haven't how far did you drive home about an hour 15 oh, okay all right well you can get halfway through this okay. this podcast he's uh he's uh an indian immigrant to america and like angel investor kind of guy oh. he's a tech dude now he's just he's worth a squillion dollars and he gives away everything for free like from a from a knowledge front uh-huh but What's he, his name uh naval if you just go to spotify and type in naval 
Sick. I mean, it was, Dude, it's one of the most – it's it's literally the best three-hour podcast I've ever listened to in my okay, life. Okay, all right. He did this tweet storm called How to Be Rich. Tweet or storm, how to I get like that. N-A-V-A-L. Yeah. Does it come up? Raven can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like How to Be Rich every episode. It should be like three Sick. hours. Okay. No, I'm going to plug in. All right. So, but anyway, he, he talks a lot in that about – I guess like the transitions of what made people wealthy over, I guess like the modern era, especially like the the US economy. Mm-hmm. And then now, like he talks about most of the fortunes now being made in media. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. just like zero cost of. Oh yeah, I've seen this. Okay, yeah, I did. I know who this is. He okay. was not. He did a Joe Rogan interview. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> years ago. Got it. So yeah, this. That three hours, I mean, it's going to be a lot of stuff that you... Whatever, I love hearing people explain it differently, right? Um, but yeah, so like, I guess even the way that he talks about like media and the advantages that people have that are like creating content and and media these days, just purely based on just like zero cost of replication. Right. So like we do this three hours, it's done, it goes on the internet and it gets cut a million different ways it gets posted a million different like they're for the same product every the same physical three hours every right. single time that there, there's no real ceiling on like how many times it can be viewed how much oh, money that's it, it good. Can be. so he talks a lot uh about that and i think that's one of the super interesting things about social media and maybe like culturally mm. why it's so interesting is because it's just made so many new people rich right oh 100%, in a way that 100%. it's like that we've haven't really seen that before you know no i think we're scratching the surface on that on that regard even with like what tiktok's doing with their tiktok shops and trying to turn mm. the platform into amazon that to cr- to to have creators be entrepreneurs without having to do any of the actual management of product that's a that's a so, game changer. So what are TikTok doing there? So basically, like, <clears throat> if if you sell, you know what a three PL is? Yeah. Or actually, skip a three PL. Basically, like, a, you know, there's a lot of these like print on demand yeah. type of places, right? Yeah. Like, you want your merch, you don't have to make it, you don't have to produce it, send it out. The second somebody buys a f- sample shirt off your website. That links over to the manufacturer. They make it within a day. They send it out the next day, and you get your royalty. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're basically doing that for influencers now. Wow. Where they'll do everything for you. All you have to do is create content and sell. Fuck. It's crazy. That's a, that is such a game changer. It's unbelievable. And and how gnarly TikTok search engine is. They're going to be a monster for a long time. Really? I, they, oh. Yeah. So yeah. where did they end up in the lawsuit and stuff? They're going to be you... fine. The, the TikTok's not going away. I know there's all the like political energy around it. TikTok's not going anywhere. Yeah. This thing's here. Yeah. yeah. It it is pretty crazy. Like we, I think it leveled. I mean, what's your experience been like on it, views wise, content wise? Um, it's more competitive now. That's yeah. for sure. Like yeah. you know the. It, it, for videos to go viral three years ago was a piece of cake. Yeah. You know, for you to get 100,000 followers in 20 hours happened. Yeah. Now it's harder, right? Um, but you it, – it's such a test on – let me think about how I should say this the correct way. It's the perfect filter 
to show you if your content is actually good or not, right? Uh, Where yeah. Instagram, you can get away with crappy content because you have a following that likes you. And yeah. just because they're riding with you and you say it, you'll get engagement. TikTok's not that. Oh, that's right? actually such a good way to look at that. It's good. It's good in that regard. So when I'm creating content, I I look at at TikTok first. How can I create this for TikTok? TikTok will be my filter on if this is good or not. And then you can handpick the stuff that performs because you don't have a biased audience judging it first. It's almost right? like Facebook ad testing. It's, cra- it's, it's exactly what it is, but yeah. organic, right? Yeah, with content. So like you get a video that goes viral on TikTok, it's going viral on any uh, platform I post it on. That's so true. Yep. Yep. So I like it for that regard. Okay. Um, That's an interesting take. I like that. Yeah. But like they're not there on because your audience isn't as loyal as somewhere like Instagram, selling on TikTok is harder. Yeah. Right. So it's like you, you, you use them hand in hand. Like if I'm going <clears> to, <throat> if I'm going to post like that, I have a new investment and, uh, you know, like I'm, you know, want to open it up to some of my followers, I'm going to get more leads from Instagram than anything else. Yeah. But TikTok has the ability to go bonkers viral, and it is a phenomenal filter. Like it, it their whole mission is to get people to watch your content as long as possible. Yeah. So their their process in which they're only trying to put out very good content is is in depth. Yeah. Well, I think the same thing about YouTube. Um, people would always like that's one of our big platforms, and especially like our clips channel. Like our clips channels, like does what impulsive and like all, all those channels right. but our main channels uh the full show is a bit smaller just because we kind of started it later and it's like a bit of a slower build right but i would tell people all the time they're like oh what's the secret to blowing up on youtube and i'm like make shit people want to watch right youtube is your 50 50 business partner right like every check i get from youtube i basically youtube has made half that again and then they keep it right so it's like they're incentivized for people to watch your content, mm. you just have to make good shit that people want to watch. Right. It's really not that hard. And right. there's a bit of a thumbnail formula and a bit of a title formula and some SEO games you can play, but that's it. I just gave everyone the YouTube secret yep. in like one minute, you yep. know. Make good content. And I think that when you think about it as YouTube's your business partner, like they want you to succeed. There's no, uh, the, the YouTube algorithm isn't trying to punish you. They're trying to help you. Mm. And if they can't help you, like you can't be saved. Right. <laughs> like you've got to, you got to do something different. Oh, that's good. You know, and it's kind of what you're saying with TikTok. Mm, that's good. That's really good. We had videos go fucking dumb viral a couple of years ago on TikTok. Like it was in ten million, yeah. ten million, ten yeah. million, ten, and then it sort of just dried up. Yeah, it's harder now. It's yeah. definitely harder now. Yeah. yeah, to pop a million is tough now. We we just don't. It's always been the platform, like we do everything for Instagram, mm. basically. And then what all the Instagram content just goes onto uh, TikTok as like secondary. We mm. don't reply to comment. We literally do zero best practice. Mm. Maybe I should maybe I should fix it. Yeah, that. I go TikTok first. That's like the 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 center I post it on TikTok and then it goes everywhere after that. Reels, shorts, yeah, Twix, all of them. Yeah. How are you finding X slash new Twitter? Um there's parts that I like about it. There's parts that I don't like about it, but understand that it's necessary. Like TikTok, or not TikTok, uh, X is the most like vile place. It like, really? <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't yeah, even the, use it. I don't use it at all. Yeah, this, the, 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 how could you say this? Um, 
the hate you're going to get is more on X than anywhere else. Really? It's just, that's it. it Even is. on your content. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's, really? It's, it's gnarly there. But I understand it as well. Like, I, I do think it's necessary also. Um, you know, I stopped using it completely. So I, I was using it, oh gosh, really before Instagram. Built up my following at that point. When Instagram hit, especially back then as a skateboarder, everything was more visual. So we basically all abandoned Twitter. And then I started using Twitter again once Elon bought it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's it's hard because that's the one platform I didn't transition. Like I, I've transitioned to all my other platforms except for that. So now I'm like, you know, the majority of people followed me as a skater. And now, you know, eight years after my career ended, I'm now getting people caught back up. So I'm, I'm wrestling with that one. But what I do like about what he's doing, uh, he's in my belief, creating a platform that incentivizes or will incentivize a creator more than anyone else. Yeah, okay. I like that. Uh, one example of it is when you get a subscriber, right? You get their information now. Oh. Where, you what? know, on Instagram, like if somebody, let's say- So like the email and shit. You, yeah, you get their info. So like if your Instagram account goes away, you didn't just lose your entire customer base. Like it's almost like what, we, what you have to do outside of- Instagram yeah, which, is that's, you yeah. have your funnels and then you have your opt-ins and then you run your community on the other end and then you're target marketing them. All of that in theory can get done on it. Can go away. Oh yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? All, it can all be done through the platform. I like that. He's doing that. Like I like that. He's pushing the barriers there. Um, will it succeed? We'll see. I mean, he's, he's going through a mess as you know, <sighs> heavy. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I do post there. It's more of a, like, I think what he's doing is important. So yeah. I'm like, I want to support him, but, uh, that's my least favorite platform. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, I'm just going to piss real quick. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, what did you think of his go fuck yourself? <sighs> I like, he loved it. Uh, okay. So look, I, I'm a big Elon fan. <laughs> yeah. I always have been. Yeah. Um, I think he's as real as it gets. But like, there's <laughs> yeah. something really cool to me to watch somebody that's like not playing any of the games. It's just, this is what it is. I like that. Yeah. Um, it's it's so, ball, like the balls on that guy it's is crazy, psycho. Yeah. Yeah. It's psycho. Um, but uh, I mean, dude, I watched it 4 million times. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's, it's I think it's... It, the thing about Elon, I think Elon is so important for this time. Like, that's not saying that, you know, I think he's perfect. There's actually a lot of things I disagree with Elon on. Uh, but I think he's very important in this time of just what he's attempting to do, how he communicates it for good or for bad. It's I think it's important. Yeah. You know, I, I don't like... The Neuralink stuff, the Mars stuff, like I'm like, yeah. di totally different view on, you <laughs> yeah. know, but I think he's the greatest entrepreneur that we've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, you know, when, when we lost Steve Jobs, like he is, he's the next iteration of it. Yeah. I love that. You know, um, I like his view on open source. I like that he's, it seems. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Seems like what he is attempting to do is always make the total civilization better. Yeah, it's better. just old net positive. I, li- I yeah. like that a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it was... And you know what else I like? I think he's funny. Like, yeah. most billionaire dudes like him are stale. You know, like, he, <laughs> yeah. I think he's funny. Like, he's like... He kind of is like the true, like, Iron Man, you Yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a yeah huge fan. I think it was so interesting to watch... And it, so it's interesting to watch New York Times, like that, that whole, from the jump, that guy was just like, he, his position was known. Like, this mm. is what I want to press you on. Are you too powerful as a person? Which it's like that, that's like a left leaning publication, mm. you'd say, like the New York Times, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, that's supposed to be the liberal, free, like, by asking the richest man in the world, are you too powerful? Have you got too much money? It's like that, just that one question in itself literally undermines everything mm. that the country's built on. Mm. And it, it actually goes against everything that that side of the political spectrum is supposed to yeah. kind of advocate for, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it was so strange to me to just watch someone be completely be completely like partisan in their in their like uh their questioning and just so positioned mm. and so angled and it it's like hey we build the best cars we our internet is great like mm. th- th- this is the free market at work this mm. is literally what this entire country was founded on mm. and this free market and this free market of ideas and like you said open source you know is letting the other biggest companies use the superchargers because they're current like if you look at the actions and the way that the dude moves mm. it's like he is a very genuine like a, a genuine leader mm. and it's like the the way i just I, I can't see how they don't get the hypocrisy and like how the things they ask and the stories they run and the positions they take. I'm like, you're literally undermining everything that you say that you're for. And mm. people are fucking over it. And yeah, Le- I don't, Elon's leaning into that. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't, you know, the, look, I think both parties are going through a, uh, identity crisis. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that's just the one you're seeing on the liberal side yeah. is a lot of the things that, you know, the JFK style liberal stood for is different or appears to be different than what a lot of the, at least the ones speaking the liberal kind of side now, they seem like they're at odds with one another. The, the, they were always very much for free speech and, you know, expression and the working class. And it doesn't feel that way anymore. It feels like they, you know, don't want people to say how they feel. They don't want people to express themselves. It seems like they're the party of the elite. It, it 
it's sh- it's shifted, you know. And that's not to say that like, you know, conservatives don't have the, you know their issues <laughs> as well. They yeah. both do. Yeah, there's weirdness uh, everywhere. Yeah, but I would say that the the freedom of speech thing is, I think, for a lot of like traditional Democrats or traditional liberals, that's the that's the biggest changeup. I think. Yeah. You know, and so when you look at somebody like Elon, you're going, I don't, like, like I get the, I, it, it's it's interesting because part of me goes, you know, historically or traditionally, I felt like they were for the working person and not for the, you know, the mega companies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, part of me goes, okay, I get why they press Elon, like he's the most you know successful person in the world. But then, like on the the but it's the, the big companies, part, the yeah. other big companies. Uh. Yeah, that's the it's interest. It's interesting, man. We're at a we're at a we're at a very interesting time in that regard. Yeah. You know? So we'll see what happens. It's, it's uh, I'm I, the optimist in me hopes that all of this like identity crisis ends up resulting in a better outcome. Yeah, I hope. But uh, you know, I guess the other part I wonder is like the people who are controlling the the messaging. Are they speaking for everyone, or are they just the ones that no. are controlling <laughs> yeah. the speech? Yeah, and because of that, it feels like everyone feels that way. I'm tempted to believe that's not the case. I think most people, if you look at the total body, I think most people are in the middle right, middle left. I think most people are actually have a lot more in common. Yes, and then I think you 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 see the the energy comes from the the kind of outskirts. Yeah, and it's very easy to go. Damn, does everybody feel that way? But I don't know. That's something like I experienced even like running for local politics. Like, you know, when you knock on doors and talk to people, you realize that like most people are actually like on the same page. Oh, man. You know, like most people are pretty normal and just want to live their life and be happy and like don't want like (laughs) you or the government like, you know, just let them be them. That's most people. Oh, man. I remember I got the – it's like one example of that. Like I remember it was Trayvon Martin – Mm. And it was like I was living here through that. And it, that was one of the most like tense kind of charged times in my personal experience here. Mm. And if you turned on the news, America was racist. Everyone was racist. Like this country was going down in a mm. fucking in a heap in mm. that period of time. Right. And then I get on a flight and there's a, a black mom with a newborn baby that has just snot fucking gone everywhere. And the baby screamed. It was obviously sick, you know? Mm. And this poor mum, you could see that she was in so much distress and she was in like, it, she was really going through it, you know? And then, so we get up and then that obviously the, the ears get worse for the baby. And man, as soon as the seatbelt signs went off, there was just a, a an upstanding of mothers that got up and just converged on this woman and her baby one of them was a nurse she ended up she actually had like a a syringe to like suck Mm. they literally like helped this and i was like wait what Mm. we're racist right like everyone all of us like there's no good people here right you know and that's like the the extreme and the messaging that comes in there if you look at the protests and if you look at all that like that's the that's the message that you take on face value right but it's like in reality there was people that were jumping and there was a, no way did race play a factor right. in in that situation. And that is most people. I Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I am in the, I'm of the belief that most people are pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but does that mean that you'll, 
that everyone, the 350 million people we have here, are all good? No, you no. always have outliers because unfortunately there's evil people. Yeah. But no, I think I think that's like the I think it's the like extreme minority of people that suck. I think most people are pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You well, know? even even the people that suck, right? Still think they're good people. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So like fair. the pro- the problem isn't like good or bad people. Right. The problem is bad people who think they're being good. Yeah. That's and fair. what is that? That's fair. That's an idea virus. Mm. Like that's an idea that they've got like I look at racism as like an idea virus. Mm-hmm. Like you're running there's like a physical body hardware that like if you took the consciousness out of that person like Mm. it's just there's no that's not bad like Mm. that's just the body right Right. and you put in the fucking brain stuff that's going on and then it's infected with an idea that thinks that one race is better than the other Mm. you're just like ah there's like some faulty software Mm. like and he thinks he's doing good he thinks like i i literally know this (laughs) from my childhood this kid and he was just a full white supremacist Mm. And he and it was like on his own. He just got a hold of a book one day mm. that basically would like talk about how in like X amount of years there wouldn't be any white people left, and like because mm. all the races were going to mix together, and it's like a noble cause to you know plant a flag in the ground, make sure you have a white wife and have white children, and and promote this idea so that the white race doesn't go extinct Mm. that's a real and you're going to lose all your heritage and you're going to lose that's the idea Mm. it's a dog shit idea right but like as a young naive uneducated person from a low income place and then you add you know we had a lot of like crime and a lot of like some uh, i guess like testing relationships with like indigenous australians Mm -hmm. in our area Mm -hmm. so you get the cultural side of things that plays into this new education. And all of a sudden you've got a like, I raced motocross with the kid. Right. Like right. he was just a not good motocross rider. Like right. his dad was the president of the club. Right. And he was just a fucking full, full blown white supremacist. Right. And it's like, here's a good person who thought he was doing the right thing. And it was just like, he just had a real shit idea. So it's like, even that, like, Sometimes I think even the concept of like there's just bad people, it's like, no, there's just people. You know, it's just there's people, there's, and then you have edge cases of like psychos and shit. But even for the, for the most part, like a person you would say is like he's a bit of a dickhead is just infected with like a group of bad ideas that make him kind of fucked. Yeah. So, okay. So then the, the idea is there's good and bad. Yes. And there's people that are just built for bad. Yeah. But then there's other people that think what they're doing is good, but it's actually evil. Yes. Yeah, that's a. I, yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. It. it, it but, and it helps you. And sorry to interrupt, but it. I think if you take that approach, it helps you deal with bad people in a much more pleasant way. It. It doesn't become like forceful in in a sense. Mm-hmm. Doesn't become combative. It becomes a like a you have. I feel like you have built in empathy at that point because you're then like, okay, what's the bad? There's just a bad idea under like a good person mm. here, you know. Hmm. I never thought of it that way. I think it just makes it easy to deal with, and you could ease like for every free speech, 
Right. You know, like that Elon, like the the guy interviewing him, I'm looking at him like, dude, you're a fucking idiot. Like, that's so dumb what you're, but it's like, I'm not looking as bad person that obviously has all these bad intentions. Well, like he thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks his ideas around free speech or power or what they think they're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but it's just like, you're, you've just got the idea. It's so let me ask you this. I mean, that's a, it's a, I mean, it's interesting. Let's say you have what I what I do like about that outlook is when you're speaking to people that have a different opinion than you, like you know, there's context in that opinion, like a yes. white supremacist or somebody who you know thinks the I don't know what do you want to call it? We shouldn't go to war. Uh, you know, we should be stepping out of the Ukraine war, going into it. Right? Yeah. To me, those are potentially different levels of disagreement, but. What I do like about that is when you're talking to people that you disagree with, you're not doing it from a place of I hate you and you're the enemy. Yeah. So then you're opening up the the possibility that good could come from it or progression could come from it, right? Yeah. I guess the the <clears throat> the question I have because I, I I haven't done much time thinking about this. If you have somebody that you're talking to that might think they're doing good, but they're not. <laughs> straight evil, yeah, right? Talking to them in a way that that is gives you the opportunity to maybe challenge their ideas and hopefully, you know, get them to maybe snap off of them. Yeah. Is one thing. Would you be boys with them? I guess is the next one. Would that be somebody that you would be able to do life with, be friends with, hang out with who had a radically different view of what morality is, right? Because that's different than maybe a, just a political view. You're, you're talking that that's maybe the most ex- extreme version we could give, right? Yeah. So I think that's why morals are super important Me and too. why ethics are super important. So like, what is a moral or like, so let's say the, I like it's all concepts, right? So I have a concept of like truth and then you have a concept of truth. And then it's like we're both having this subjective experience of reality and then we would project our idea of truth into the universe and we would expect that other people have that same idea. So I think that like that's where if you break down like good ideas and bad – like that's kind of what it is. It's like this internal concept that feels true to you that you then project out onto the universe. Mm. And if everybody in the world had – the the same idea around let's like race is a good example right so let's say everyone just has this idea and they intern it's this internalized concept that there is no difference at all between a, a black person a white person a chinese but in terms of who they are as people like we are the same right, thing right right right? Right, right, right right and then if if everybody in, t- in the world projected that idea and just lived in that idea then there wouldn't be conflict around it. Mm. Like we're all carrying, like it's like some kind of software that we're all running, like the mm. the racism plugin mm. or like the what the anti racism. You know, right, right. so I think that it, it's got. Oh, they're, they're like there is a real world, and there's a there's a real world that you live in and interact in, and like there's the internal state and the external state needs to overlap in like a fairly big way 
for you to be like a functioning mm. person in society. Mm. I'm kind of like trying to roundabout get to right. where we're going. Right, right, right. But so then you like, let's say that white supremacist kid that I was like, I knew I was not friends with him mm. because I, there was not a compatibility of the things that I projected. Like we weren't living in the same world. Mm. Like my reality was different to his reality to an extreme where like, I can't bit, we couldn't coexist together. I couldn't be boys with him. I right. couldn't be friends with him. There's like levels to that. So right. like, that's the most extreme level. And then there's like, I have Muslim friends. I have Christian friends. Right. I don't believe in any of that. Right. So like the, that thing that they're projecting into the world, I don't, necessarily agree with but it doesn't really yeah. shape the reality that we it doesn't cause any tension in like the reality yep. that we live with so i think like at base that's mm. what it is that's it's good. like we have like this framework in our mind of what are moral what ethics and i've been wrong about morals in my life right, like right. i'm like I've i think we all have i've just bought a, a book on ethics and i'm like i'm re i'm trying to re-educate like mm. what are the best ideas mm. and i think that whole like if that is like a almost an underlying philosophy that I have in my life is like what's real what's mm. the best ideas mm -hmm. and then how do I become to like internalize these best ideas that are the most compatible with reality mm. and then it's like when you live in accordance with that I think like that's the way that mm. you kind of like progress your life and that's where you stop the the roadblocks in mm. like if you're a if you're an alcoholic or if you're someone that's got like a some kind of like terrible addiction that is derailing your life in a way it's like what part of reality are you in the outside reality like mm. if this thing's fucking up your life fucking up your relationships like causing havoc in the in the external world like, but there's a conflict. There's, it's different on the inside. Like you're not willing to see. So you're just not, you don't have the best ideas. The best ideas that are in the outside world are not lining up with the ones that are, that are going on inside. And then that's going to cause, that's the thing that's going to cause you problems in mm. your life, you know? Mm. And yeah, if you'd come across a person that, like I bet, like the white supremacy thing, like that's a, that's a, a good one. Like I could, sit with him for three hours and if i had like evidence i could be like okay what's the give me a thing like oh they don't have the same brain mass or they don't have this or like whatever the you just go okay well there's this 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 and this and we've got cultural records that show that these people were like one of my favorite stories is basically like so captain cook the guy that discovered australia he sails around africa and then he, he stops for wood and water in Tasmania and he gets off and he just thinks it's like this little, he missed Australia completely. Like, you know, the little island, at the, he just, that's where he got, got off. There was like Aboriginals basically like just standing under a tree with some like kangaroo skins on for clothes and fire. And it was like raining at the time. So they're all just like, hold up. He thought nothing of it. Right. So that was society in 16 or whatever, whatever year that happened. And then he goes there, his next stop's Tahiti. And it's the exact year, the same time, and there's a society that is full-fledged, like multiple languages, they've got a king, they've got a royal family, they've got like this ancestor, they've got a rich history that is like recorded. And it's so that you can say to a person, like if you had a someone that was like a fucking white supremacist or whatever, 
saying, oh, they're culturally undeveloped or this or whatever. And you go, okay, well, this is like the timeline that these people were on mm. that had never seen any, but there's no outside. They were living in the Stone Ages while we were had ships and boats and telescopes and compasses, you know. So it's like that's that's not genetic. It's not biological. There's no again, there's no differences. There's a time scale difference. So you can beat bad ideas with yeah, good ideas. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So your idea is like I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna talk to him and I'm gonna basically I'm gonna break his idea <laughs> yes. with better ideas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the freedom freedom of speech. And that's what and that's why it works in theory, right? And and the whole, like what America was built on is individual liberty. Mm-hmm. Like that's the that's the thing that we didn't have as Europeans mm. before America was created. Right. Like there was no democracy right. in the sense where there was a king and you were essentially property of the king. Everything was property of the king and right. the king could change. The, you could get and one king could kill another king and then you get owned by that, like... So that is the the most like fundamental concept. Like that's why people went from here to here. Right. They go, no, there is individual liberty. People have their own free will, which you can agree with or disagree with. Right. But there's an individual, if you give them their own rights and if you give them responsibilities and individual agency and then you give them the freedom of choice and the freedom of speech, mm. then the best ideas like rise to the top. Yeah. And then I just think, the challenge becomes like if you're in politics or if you're in just your day-to-day life is like it's education. Mm. Education is everything. Mm. Like how do we agree with and rationalize like the best ideas? Everyone runs that software and we all get along. Mm. And it's like, but you have this clash of, essentially you just have a clash of ideas. Like a guy that's questioning Elon or whatever is he has different ideas and then you, like Elon would go, we have the best this, we have that. Oh, no, I'm not a, a power-hungry mo. I give this away. I give this. This is open source. Like mm. so his ideas are just directly combating right. the other guy's ideas. Right. And I think that you can do that in day-to-day life with everybody, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think that's a – I like you bringing it back to the idea of, of how America was created. Mm. Yeah, it's good. But yeah. it's it's so important. hundred like percent. I think I, people look, I'm forget all for it. the individual. Like that that that. It's scary to me when we move away from that. Me personally, when, like the, the group think or the tribalism or that, that is that is very concerning for me. I I would way rather have an individual and build up the individuals and yeah yeah let us think and be free. Yeah, well, you know? because that's the concept, right? It's mm. like if you have a free society, and you. It, it's like the the best way to do it would be you have the, the fully free society and then you incentivize good behavior. Right. Well, that uh, – <laughs> Like that's the pro- – like so that's kind of the disconnect we have right now is we have like – you have – there is a lot of freedom but bad ideas are incentivized uh-huh. and bad behavior is incentivized. Yeah, that's, and, that's one of the problems with social media. Yeah. Yeah, is engagement is built on bad behavior. Well, the advertising model. Yeah. Like the internet was built – on uh that like just the wrong incentives like from when the the internet went to this advertising model because the banks wouldn't let there be a credit card terminal Mm. so people were trying to buy shit through the internet like 
early, early, early internet. People were trying to buy shit through the internet and the bank said no. Mm. So for years, it, the the start of the internet, it should we should have skipped all of the ads. Like, imagine this, right? Look, picture the world we live in in 2023. If on the first day that these internet companies went to Bank of America and went to the, the big banks and said, we need to be able to process credit cards, and they said yes. Yeah, it'd be radically different Crazy today. different. Crazy. Crazy. And then Elon, like that's why PayPal got made. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's you right. know, it became right. like this way to actually monetize, like do business yeah, on the internet. Right. But and it but, almost didn't work. I mean, yeah. you remember all the failures or potential failures that they were kind of up against. So, but to, again, that was like incentives. So poor right. incentives. And then it, it became an attention economy. So it's like, okay, well, we've got all these people looking at the, at the website, we got no way of charging these people for anything. Yeah. So what do we, we have to advertise right. to these people. Right. And it just created everything. It right. created everything that we see now, yeah. you know. Yeah. As you, as, you, as you step away from meritocracy, meritocracy, you are now, you're now incentivizing, how would you say this? You run the risk of incentivizing not the best behavior, right? Yeah. Like. It's a feeling as you were saying that I was just, I was thinking about like the tax code like that's what the the idea of like our tax code was was based upon like how do you incentivize or how do you influence investor behavior right like where do we need investors to put dollars that grow our economy oh here 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 okay we create incentive like incentive moves people it always has yeah so you want to make sure that the incentive is aligned with good behavior not bad yeah, yeah. that's that's. It's a challenge that we're facing right now. Well, and the incentives, like I'm trying to think of, some, like social media is a good example of being incentivized to do the wrong things, right. essentially. But so, okay, think about uh, the stock market. There's there's companies, like so you take a comp GoPro is a really good example of this, right? So you built? Were you you involved in GoPro at all, or do you know? I'm uh, sure you would add a bunch of stuff. I was sponsored by GoPro. Uh, uh, I was there for their IPO. No way. Uh, I wanted, I they so yeah. I wanted to buy. Uh, it ended up working out in my favor, <laughs> but they like they they allowed like you know they allowed employees or riders to invest. To have stock in, options. Yeah, yeah, and. I remember I got hung up because I wanted more than they were offering. And so I was like, whatever, I'm not going to do it. Even though in theory, I could have just bought when it opened, right? Yeah. And then I didn't I didn't ride it. And it like opened at like what? Did it open at like 17 and then like ramped up to like 100? And I remember going, dang, I blew it. Like this could have been like a quick 4X, right? And while that was happening, while it was at its height, I ended up at uh, Warren Lynchenstein's house. It's a... Uh, billionaire uh carl icon was his mentor right? okay and we're just talking and you know we're at this point just like random skaters right? <laughs> and you know he hears me and like i was with malto and p rod and he hears us talking about like gopro and how we blew it and it's you know ramped up and this guy's brilliant right yeah he looks at, at us and goes Thank God you didn't buy GoPro. We're like, what? And he goes, I tried to short it. We're like, what do you mean you tried to short it? And he goes, I tried to short it. I couldn't get the board to to get on get on board with oh, it. Oh, that would have been. And I'm like, dang. I'm like, really? It's at like 95 bucks a share. And I'm like questioning the guy who actually knows this. 
And then sure enough, like within like seven months, their shares down to like nine bucks. Yeah. You know, and then it was, it's just been wiped out. Uh, yeah, that was a, so every time I think of GoPro, I think of that. But yeah, that was a perfect example. Like when you see the CEO selling everything, not a good look. <laughs> but you, you know. think like what that company I think is like a good example of incentives, right? Yeah. So like the, the incentives or the, I don't know if it is. We'll see if we'll run with it. We'll see if it fits. But so you, you build up this company, it gets super successful and then you do an IPO and then uh, from the company, the the incentive is now that you're public that you have to show growth basically quarter on quarter on quarter on quarter on quarter on quarter. That company failed because they just got dragged in to just like updating their camera every few months like because that's the only way like so if you you look at the curve over a year like you might see a little bit of dip and you so those quarters if you're not growing like that every quarter you're failing in the eyes of the investors that now own your company so they release a hero 8 and then they released a hero 8 black plus and then that so they didn't they lost touch of like what is their product who is it for then they went into like the fucking gopro quick editing and then they went into the gopro this and then they were going to be the the new sharing app and then they were going to be and it's just like they fully lost touch of the what their company was but it's because of the way that like the incentives were set up they had to report growth every single quarter to a board of investors or the market would lose faith in the in the company so it's like they were just set up to fail let me add some more to it because and i'm i'm gonna do this through the lens of that conversation i had with warren a long time ago changed my perspective on this when when i said why do you want to short it right he goes historically any business that's only sold one product fails uh. so he recognized that that basically all they could ever do is create a new version of a GoPro. Yeah. And then he also noticed that this was, was becoming better. better and better and better. Yeah. So you would inevitably hit a point where they had nothing else to sell you and their product ultimately would become obsolete. Yeah. Right? And now why I think they were scrambling to try to find all these other ways of of having different verticals because I think they realized it also. Yeah. Now, I, I I agree with you when a when a company goes public. Yeah, the incentive is now to grow. Uh, I don't. I'm assuming here. I was not. I have no clue what this was. But I think a lot of companies go public to make a lot of money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, who knows what their model was? But it's interesting because as you say that, I was listening to somebody go over Apple right now. Apple's challenge. And Apple is no longer innovating. Mm. They're doing, you know, of course they have different verticals than just one. It's not GoPro, but their phone is basically the same phone over and over now. Like it, it's been a long time since they came in and revolutionized or really innovated a, a space, right? Yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting to to even see what happens with Apple over the next 20 years. Well, you know? Just think about being in the 90s let's put a year like 99 and being like, Hey man, let's go 98, 98 in 10 years. You will never get in a taxi ever again. Right. A fucking taxi. Right. Imagine that, you know, and you think about like, even it's, it seems like, I, I guess this would fall under a black swan in a sense. Like Uber was the black swan to taxis. 
Well, I don't know if I would say Black Swan, or at least how I envision Black Swan. I, I think yeah, it's probably it might not be I the think, best. I example. think Uber was the disruptor. Yeah. To taxi, right? But it could never recover after that. It never saw it coming, and it could never. recover. Yeah, it was just one of those things where technology opened up a new lane to make what was ap- obsolete. Yeah. Right? I think that's Uber. There's a lot of companies that that fits into. A black swan, in my perspective, is like... Corona. Or, yeah, 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 that's a black swan. Yeah, yeah. It's like fair. one of those like, wait, no one saw this coming, and because of it, it changed the Every, entire the landscape. landscape. Yeah. yeah, that would be more a black swan event. Yeah, so... There's no planning for it, right? Like you could, you could look at certain industries and go, that industry is only going to be here for a matter of time, right? Like yeah. you're watching it with AI. Like that's probably like the most current example of what's to come. AI is going to radically transform almost every industry. I don't think that's a black swan event. I think that's a disruptor. Yeah, fair. So yeah. I, I think that Apple could have an Uber mm. in the sense that it could just one day like make that phone pointless. Mm. You know, especially you go like the Neuralink, you mm. go AI. Like they that is basically... Well, you're listening to this is Elon's idea yeah. of it, right? Yeah. He's like, "Look, you're already you're already a plugged in, right? <laughs> yeah, you're already yeah. plugged in. It's just the pro the the time in which it goes from here to here is slow. Yes, right. So he's like, get rid of this, yeah, just put go it straight in to the yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, on in that view, totally. Yeah, like, like Apple, Apple is gonna get Uber Gonzo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's like, what would happen if one day, and that we're years away from that. You know, like potentially years away from that. And AI is the perfect one for incentives. Mm. If you get the incentives right. So I remember I was a weird kid, right? I was very existential as like a small, small child. You were? Oh, crazy, dude. Like I would would like try and think about like a theory of everything as like a in primary school. But because I was in a Christian school, uh, let's say Catholic school, and I didn't believe in God. Like from the first time I ever read the Bible, like we're in our original, I did seven years there. And in seven years, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I don't believe this is not it at all. And I just literally was obsessed with the the idea of it. So this, what's like happening right now with like AI and with all that, the, the neural, like this is, if you, if you spend enough time just going down the, like following the chain of events of like how we started, where are we going? That's where we're going. Like, mm. and, and I would always, as a kid, this was my 10 year old running for president in my head. How you fix the world was you get AI and robots, AI in robots and the people have shares of the output. So like how I would see it, was basically, again, being a 10-year-old, was like a family would own two robots and then that robot would, my dad worked for the city, like he did the water. So Mm. he would be like the water treatment guy, drive around all the reservoirs all over the town and he'd take care of them, he'd do all like all the shit, made sure the water was sweet. Hated his fucking job. (laughs) His whole life. (laughs) Worked with all these dickheads, just couldn't stand it. And then my mum worked in a brick factory and she only just retired from there, like literally two months ago okay so i'm like okay so if dad has a robot and it goes to work and then mum has a robot and it goes to work then you get paid the robot gets paid but then we essentially get paid and then my parents just get to hang out and do whatever they want 
that's like as silly and simple as that sounds. That's what AI should do for humanity. Oh, yeah, this is Elon's robo-taxi. If the incentives are right. Like, yeah. and there's there's got to be... Because there's one way to look at it to where you go, this is the worst thing that's ever going to happen. It's going to put everybody out of a job. It's going to like... That's going to fuck the world. But every time I go through a Starbucks drive through every time I go to a McDonald's, every time I pay a toll to a person in a toll booth, like a part of me dies inside because I'm going, you shouldn't do that, man. Mm. Like you shouldn't, you get one life. You're here for so short of a period of time mm. and you're in a fucking toll booth. <laughs> like we got to fix this. Like society should fix this, mm. you know, and that's what AI, if it's incentivized right, it's like just, if, you, if there's a job that a human doesn't want to do, like that's what this should be doing and then there should be a way where that pays the people, you right. know. I think it could, if it's done right, it could just full – that's like the full freedom of humanity yeah, in a I, sense. Yeah, I don't like – I don't think – well, I think AI has the potential to be very bad. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but I, I actually don't share the view that AI is going to – destroy all business like you know i think we're just going through like the next kind of you know industrial revolution like everything how we work will change yeah and we will adapt and we'll create new jobs that don't exist now and uh from a you know you have job opportunity i think we'll be fine yeah um i think it's just going to be different you know but i don't know like i look there's part of me just like the human behavior of it like i don't love there's something in me that I think always tries to resist some type of change, but the other side of me goes, change is unnecessary. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. And it's inevitable. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. I, I, I just, I think if it, if they do get it right, like it could. Yeah. It has in, the potential in, to be massive. In years, it could fix everything. Right. In a sense, you mm-hmm. know, like just think, yeah, I mean, we were in the car the other day, we're driving home from Vegas on the weekend and I saw a truck driver and I'm like, fuck, like poor bastard. You know, obviously some people like driving trucks, but it's like, if I you're, have friends that drive trucks, like, do they love it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. with you, I'm with you. But that's what it, that's how the world should be. Mm. Like going forward when AI is a thing and the robots are doing their thing. More choice. If you want to be a truck driver, go and drive that fucking truck, you know? And like, I think about from from my perspective of like, if I had AI, a robot switching this right now and it was getting live switched and it was, then it'd go straight, they'd do the cuts, they knew the ads that had to be on it. They like, And I just get up from this and I go hang with my my wife or my kids and my, mm. go do something. I'll be more, pro- like, that's the potential, I think. Well, yeah. The potential of the productivity increase is psychotic. Yeah, and, and it's like if Huge. if every if all of the incentives get aligned from the people manufacturing them, from right. the people deploying them, from the people, because like the the argument, and I, it's probably I wonder if it's like what the phases will be like if there's like a short term pain with it because there's McDonald's now in Australia where there's no one working right. there, right? You know, and it's like that's good in my opinion i don't think a human should have to work at mcdonald's do they ask for a tip at that mcdonald's uh, fucking probably bro. <laughs> don't even go there right i'll lose my shit right. uh, uh, there are, we went to the other uh, you've got me now you've got i me. know that the 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 taxflation is psycho or the uh tipflation is psycho when did it change 
with with all the software, with all the the like, tapping, uh-huh, the yeah. iPad, yeah, processing basically. We we went to get froyo the other night, self serve froyo. <laughs> Somebody sitting at the cashier. Can I like, highlight the word self serve? Yeah, right. Once more, right. Just to make sure this story's point comes across, right. Fucking tip. Yeah. I'm like, bro, yeah. does that go back to me? Am I getting a discount? So basically the, the companies that had the software that sold it to, yeah. you know, all these businesses, that was part of their sale was, look, you will increase your revenue because psychology says That's that when you what put somebody on the spot, rotate and give to you, there's a percentage of people that feel bad so that they do. Right, and, and they're the they're the majority. I was about to say, yeah. they're the majority. Yeah, it's the minority that goes <laughs> later. Right, <laughs> I've realized I'm so heavily in the minority. You know what's fascinating? I have to train myself to be in the minority. I was gonna ask, how do you feel? Yeah, I'm. 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 Well, you you you're my, rich so too, my so. natural. Well, no, look, I have no problem tipping at all. Like I'm the same. I have no problem tipping. I don't like tipping when there's there's no there's service. no there's no point to tip. Right? I don't I don't understand that when you're just it's a it's a it's a added tax at that point. I don't like that, you know what I'm saying? Uh but naturally, like my my normal natural personality is, oh yeah, I'll just do this. Oh, okay, like I I I am naturally built to try to avoid conflict. Yeah. Um I've had to train myself to to view the importance of standing up for certain things and not just, oh yeah, it's all good. Like, you know, tips is one of them. Like now I'm like, okay, look, there's certain things you tip on. There's certain things you don't. And once you know it, you don't feel bad for doing it. Right. So I built all these videos on that point. Like if you know that you shouldn't be tipping or you don't need to be obligated to tip, I don't think you'll feel bad for not doing so. Right. (laughs) But when you feel like you're supposed to, and you don't, then you feel bad. That's where the guilt comes in. Right. Um, but even like through the lens of like me talking to somebody and like them saying something that like you ever have conversations and somebody says something they're like it's wrong like yeah. what they just said is wrong yeah naturally right I want to just go just let him just keep going like I don't need to check him like it's not worth it yeah right yeah. I've kind of had to get to the point where like sometimes you're like no it's actually not right <laughs> you, <laughs> that's you know? me every yeah. time yeah. but well so I've, mine's trained yeah so. dude we're we're i think well the coffee shop down here if you want to get a coffee after this actually it's quite a nice coffee down here but i just literally stared in the chick's eyes and just <laughs> no dude, yep, just stared and my wife's literally started laughing she's yep. like you could not have made it more obvious how pissed you were that yeah. you just got asked to tip yeah but going to uh peggy sue's on the way to vegas we stopped we have a nice like kind of brunch deal there reasonably priced food i'm doing a 20 dollar tip right so a great lady that lives in bakersfield or wherever it is that's doing what that was supposed to right you, like that is what that tax service whatever was designed for it right. was like she gave you a great service right. above and beyond what some might say right. is expected right that to me is yeah. a tip yeah for sure like when when people just knock it out of the park, like I, I yeah, I'm gonna tip more. What I've had to learn is even with with servers that are having a hard time, I still tip them. Like mm. I, I is it is almost never happens that I'll tip under twenty percent, even if the server's not good. Yeah, uh, because I know now what goes into all of it. Cooks just, I mean, sometimes it's just you're having a hard night, so. 
in that setting, I'm always tipping. Like yeah. even if it's a shitty experience, I'm tipping. It's the ones where it's like it's this the makes no, like I, I'm not tipping at the grocery store. Yes. Like I'm not doing that. Like you know what I'm saying? Like uh, there's an argument on the baristas. Like he made your coffee. Uh, but I, also, that's his job. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think you should feel obligated to tip at a coffee shop. Is my personal opinion. Um, if you want to tip, go for it. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think you need to feel obligated to do it. Um, the self serve ones are crazy. Like I don't get that at all. <laughs> you know, like drive through or takeaway. I. I. You know, I don't think you need to tip or tip as much. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's a. They're tipping too much, man. Like everybody's. What, what we just experienced with inflation, it's like, dude, it's, it's real, already man. painful, and then you're just adding more pain on top of it. Like, it's too much. Yeah, it's too much. I think one thing from not living here for five years, and then to just come back here, and then we were living in Dubai before this. So, like, you would say that's quote unquote expensive. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, California is way more expensive to live than Dubai and it's harder to live here. It's easy to live in Dubai. It's easy to get an apartment. It's easy to get a car. It's clean, safe. And here is fucking impossible (laughs) and it is insanely expensive and it used to be able to come. So it, I mean, it has like, it has massive repercussions, I think over like a kind of longer time scale, but you used to be able to come here from Australia and it was cheaper and the dollar the our dollars worth less right? right but it was cheaper here to where it actually still was worth coming here but like now my family just came over for a holiday and i think it, like my bro- it broke the bank bro i know like my brother was like and my brother's does quite well but he was like man i fucking spent like 30 grand on I that know. trip and it's like what i know even like it's simple things like getting a massage, $125. <laughs> You're like, not that a guy's not worth. No, I'm with, dude, but it's, it's like there's how expensive just, life is now. Things have just ramped up right. in such an extreme way. But you've got one side where it ramps up and then one side where everyone's shutting down. Right. And it's like that disconnect. It's like if inflation happens while people are also moving up in their life, it's negligible. But it really feels like the separate. There's actually been like more distance created. It's not moving together. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. And then anybody, every, anybody living off fixed income is freaking brutal. You know, you're barely getting by in what you have. You don't get you know, uh, uh, wage increase. You know, like you're still living off the same fixed income. So it's you just now are spending more by yeah. nature. You know, there's a company in the moto industry that they just literally cut all of their employees' wages by 10%. Dang. And they're making a fuck ton of money. They're like super successful. Yeah, see some of those like, I think you see that, yeah, that's the part of it where you're like, whack. It's like hard to hard to kind of, you yep. know, justify yep. at that point. Yep. So if you were, I know you're not a financial advisor, but if you were like fixed income and you were in that, lane in life and you were like trying to get ahead what what would you look to or like what do you think are the the best ways or like the best to protect options protect yourself from that well and just to start to build something like let's say you you've got a job and you you've got a family and you you're pretty well locked in cuz i think that's kind of the that's probably where people get in that position right is like they can't move left they can't move right they can't move up they 
but you can definitely move down. Mm-hmm. So it's like you've got – you get married young or you have a family young right. and then you've got a job and you've got responsibilities. Like I feel like that's what happened with my parents. It's like you have kids – Young young parents, you don't come from any money at all. You've got nothing behind you. You've just got your salary that you get. Mm. And it's like, where would you look in 2023, 2024 if you're that person to start to try and grow a bit of wealth? Yeah, that's a good question. So the, 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 the hard thing about this is as you get older, you typically have more responsibility. Yeah. And with more responsibility, it's scarier to take risk, right? And that, you know, at the end of the day, like when you're talking about how do people make more money or it's risk, like mm. you have to be willing to take some type of risk for something to change. If you're not willing to take any risk, nothing changes, right? So you kind of got to know that up front. Uh, you know, what that looks like, there's so many different ways to do it. It's like, you know, I don't think you're incentivized to be loyal anymore. Like if we're talking about incentive structures, you make more money jumping around from company to company. The data shows you make more money doing it. So it's like go work for someone for three years and then find a new job and leverage that to make more and do it again and again. The incentive is there, right? The incentive Mm. does not pay you to be loyal, which I don't like. Yeah. Um, That's one. Two, uh, there are so many new ways to make money. I mean, you're experiencing it now. It's like you can make money in the digital realm and sacrifice a, not that significant amount of time. So you mm-hmm. can look at additional income streams. Um, you can downsize or, or, or spend less. You can do it that way. So you have more money to invest. But the, the, the real kicker is this. If we're playing the odds, every single person should expect that we're all going to be in our 60s and 70s like that. Like blink yeah. of an eye, we're all <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, yeah. right? And so don't be convinced that because you're not promised a future, you shouldn't plan. What the data says, you're going to be there, right? Mm. It takes time to build to the point of you being able to have the choice to not have to work, Mm. right? So in that, you've got some options. It's like you've got retirement accounts. You've got a 401k. If you have an employer that matches, that's a great option for you, right? If they match contribute up to the match as a 100% guaranteed return, right? Then the contribution gets to get taken off your taxable income, a little bit of tax help, right? That's deferred for when you're retiring. You have a Roth IRA account. This is something a lot of people love to do. There's, there's, you get more flexibility in what you can invest in. So what's an IRA account? So basically in America, right, they have these retirement accounts and they're what they're trying to do is incentivize you to plan for retirement. Mm-hmm. And so a Roth IRA, you can you're capped on how much you can contribute each year. It's, I think the new requirement or the new limit is like 7,000 bucks, something like that. Uh, You can put that much into your account each year and then all of the gains in that account are tax-free. So you pay no taxes on the gains, right? But you can't pull it out in your 40s, 50s. So you all let that thing ride until retirement, right? 401k, you know what a 401k does? It's basically just like, we call that in Australia superannuation. Okay, yeah. So yeah, like the government will put in to the, a certain amount of your, or your employer will put in a certain it, amount to your retirement Right, fund. so that's the and same thing. Like, y- yeah, well. an employer yeah. has a match. Yeah. This money, you're not paying taxes on. You're deferring it and having to pay taxes when you withdraw, uh, right? That's still lame. <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, look, the, the idea, I guess, is uh, 
you'll be at in a lower tax bracket when you retire. So you'll be paying less taxes when you retire than you will when you're young. And then the next example is you're getting more money to use to compound over and over. And then you pay the taxes at, at the end. Yes. Now there's variables. Yep. I'm with you on that one. There are variables, right? But those are two like, you know, those are two options that most people take advantage of. Uh, you know, you in that you're investing in, you know, stocks, bonds are, you know, potentially an option to invest so you get some dividend income. Uh, I like real estate. I've always tried to do it through real estate. Um, and the reason is usually you're looking for like a growth opportunity or an income opportunity, right? Mm. In real estate, what that means is you're either trying to go for appreciation or cash flow, mm. right? Well, in real estate, you can kind of get both right? You can invest in things that have the opportunity to appreciate in value. And by nature, real estate assets cash flow because, you know, your rental income that comes in pays your expenses, pays your debt, and then it comes to you. So you get to participate in both sides, right? Yep. When you get into retirement, you're really focused on income because you're spending money every month. And mm. that typically when done right, you're spending the money of the income that's coming in from your portfolio. And not the principal. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. The idea is if you've got, let's just, I don't know, five million bucks invested, right? And you're drawing your 5% of it, 4% of it, you can live off that without the $5 million going down, yeah. right? So the, the golden goose gets to stay. The challenge is when you're young, in my perspective, you shouldn't be focusing on income. You should be focusing on growth because that's how you get to your money doubling, right? Yeah, yeah. So my strategy more or less has been, I take the most amount of risks, in the businesses that I'm starting. And then the majority of my money is invested in real estate, primarily focused on growth. So I want appreciation that does have some cash flow. And then as I get older, well, I'll move more into cash flow and less into appreciation. But I'm not totally convinced I'm ever going to stop working. So mm. there's that as well. I think that's actually quite an interesting point to, to bring up because I think that people can like okay my parents very interesting like they're going through this right now so they my dad like i said he worked as a in the water then my mum worked in the brick factory <clears throat> she ended up getting a, she moved up quite a bit in that she's been with the company like i think 26 years or something um and so she moved up to like a national manager role so they ended up doing quite well over like a very long time scale right but then She's, you know, in her 50s and she's just got all this crazy pressure, all this stress, very terrible work environment. And now she's clipped it. Like we basically all said, hey, you're retired. Right. Like this is fucking not cool. Right. And now she's in this position where the, the money's not going to last forever. So that she's like trying to figure something out. Right. But the idea of retirement, like now she's looking at like essentially a new not necessarily a job, but like an income stream, right. basically. And, you know, this whole idea of retirement is now getting kind of weird and vague to her because she's like, oh, I kind of like doing what like, I like this. Like she's kind of feels a bit entrepreneurial. So mm -hmm. it's like the idea of even retiring and not doing anything is like probably the wrong idea. Yeah. Like you almost, I think that what you should or what people should aim for is like build build your life in a way that when you're 50, you kind of do have something that pays you a few grand a week or right. a few grand a, a month as well as the rest of it. But like stay working, right. stay busy 
and stay productive because I, I feel like there's some biological shit going on to productivity oh, yeah. and to progress to where it's like that's what is like look at Warren Buffett mm-hmm. I, I would you say he would he'd be out of retire <laughs> yeah totally dude <laughs> so but he still works right. there's got to be something well, there's in a that fulfillment process. element yeah. right it's like yeah. you're fulfilled you feel like you have purpose like I think there's a reason why so many people go through that like you know later life crisis when their job's over right because they don't feel like they are providing or being responsible or doing anything that's benefiting kind of society. I think there's something important in that. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I know that as we get older, we're not going to be able to be as responsible with what we're able to manage when we're younger, right? Mm. You'll, you'll have to scale down. But, you know, I, I don't know if you just, like, go play golf every day. Like, you know what I'm saying? Unless it's for a mating. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. But I don't know. That but one you is would, interesting. Yeah, you'd know a ton of people that are super successful and they're old enough to retire and they got enough money to retire and right. they don't. Right. They just keep chugging. They find something yeah. that they're, they're into. I think... Yeah, go do something. Like, I, look, it doesn't have to be about the money anymore. Like, go get involved with the community. Like, go help, like, the kids. Like, well, you know, one thing you brought up, the difference between the East and, and the West, uh, I kind of like that... that in a lot of Eastern cultures, it's like the family still does life together. Yes. Like I like that actually. Like I, I don't I don't know if I necessarily like where we're all just separate units here. You know? So like look, if if you're gonna retire, like go help help the kids with the grandkids. Yeah. You know, like take them to school, like go get involved with the family. Like do something that helps, you know? Oh man. There's a couple ways I could go with this, but there's one thing that comes to mind is I was listening to a, a podcast with this lady she's a um, meditation teacher Mm -hmm. and uh and he was the the host was like asking her about you know how do you feel about the like there's a because you can be zen in life and you can you know you can think that uh, like i guess how much i say it's like uh like what could i actually do like how could i like right now you have like the whole palestine Mm the war Israel and it's like you can be so outraged and you can feel so much about this particular issue but it's like you can't actually do anything Mm. and then so it's like that you're kind of at odds then it's like I feel this way and I have this energy but I really can't direct it anywhere and unless you get on a flight and you go there and you do something like Mm -hmm. you can donate money you can share Instagram posts you can make fucking stories but like you can't actually do anything right and so i guess that's what he was kind of posing to her is like Mm. how do you deal with that Mm. and she was like well what you're seeing is like you're seeing human suffering Mm. and she said whether it's palestine and israel whether it's ukraine whether it's a woman in africa that's that's gonna die in childbirth like there is just this aggregate of suffering that just is completely engulfed like engulfing the world Mm. and it's like and what i can do to help Israel is I can make some sandwiches and I can walk them down to the homeless shelter, Mm. you know? And it's just like, are you helping Israel and Pal? No, but like there's like, if you look at this global aggregate of suffering, you can just lump everyone into that category Mm. that's, that's suffering. Mm. And then her thing was like, I can just go and make some sandwiches. Mm. And it's like, that's a, I found it so cool to look at it in that way. It's like, no matter what issue in the world, that needs solving at the moment and if you like 
the 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 just whole. Just go help somebody. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. there's a there's a an aggregate of suffering that's going on in the world, and like the thing you can do is mitigate the tiniest percentile of that. But if everyone has that idea, then you know if if everyone in the world had again, it's like a that projected that same idea into the world. Simple, like mm. you, the Gaza would get fixed. These are like all the big, the high level, like big ticket items kind of end up getting taken care of from like the bottom up, mm. you know? Mm. I haven't heard that before. That's good. I, I think the other direction I was kind of half go off that as well was back what I was saying before, like these conversations always kind of feel weird in a sense because it's like two business owners, like you've got unlimited money making potential. I've got unlimited money making potential. Like, and it, I never want it to come across as a like an elitist conversation in a sense, you mm. know. But I was thinking when you were talking before, like if I could give advice to somebody, what you said about like you'll be 75. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that then when you realize how long life is, but if you're 35 and you listen to this now and you're – drive into a job that you don't like and you right. feel stuck and if you feel like you can't make the side up like you'll be somewhere in five years you know and if you do things there are things you can do today mm. that would get you closer to the life that you wanted to live mm. and then it's like if you take then i think the challenge is to learn to take comfort and solace in those small steps mm. as if you kind of already were in the place that you're going to be. And it's like, you can engineer, you can engineer a process to get a result. Mm. And it just becomes like very, very simple, like learning a kickflip. Right. Like there's a process of, you can go through and it might be, you might get it on the first day you try it. It might take you a year. It might take you two years. Mm. But if you follow a certain process, like we have the knowledge available to us that if you can commit to the process and then, enjoy the day the first day of failure and enjoy the second day of failure and Mm. enjoy the third because you're on the road to pro it's not it's guaranteed in the sense that one day you will do it but you don't know when yeah that's good you know so it's like if if that's the reality of your life right now that's something i think you can take Mm. comfort in and then you just start working towards like the guy you will inevitably be in five years right. and it's like you could be the same guy or you could be a completely different guy yeah it's interesting i i i got this advice 20 something years ago now it's profound um from rob deerdick actually is who told me it oh, and man. uh he said start thinking through the lens of 10 years out what yeah. decision can you make today that will put you in the place you want 10 years from now right and it's so true like a lot of the decisions we make are for right now yeah. And how it's going to affect me tonight or yeah. tomorrow. But like, because it, it affects the feeling state of now. Correct. But yeah. if like you go back to like, you know, the beginning, like you're talking about, you're talking about like legacy decisions, right? You're talking about like people that were making decisions for their kids' kids, right? Not even like 10 years out. You're talking like hundreds of years out. Yeah. And dude, the type of decisions you make are radically different when they're for the future. Mm. And we forget like how quick that time comes. I think that's the big one, right? Like, dude, I feel like I was 18 yesterday. Like yeah. the last 20 years have gone through so freaking fast. You know, uh, that's important to realize that like it actually comes very quick. And so start making those big decisions now. And if you're stuck, 
dude, do whatever you can to get unstuck. Like sometimes you got to go through like a crazy big switch yeah. just to force action out of you. But like, you know, the example you just gave, like if you hate everything about your job, like you wake up and you're like just, you know, miserable and you're not looking forward to it, you have two options. It's like try to figure out how to change your perspective to enjoy it or quit, find another one. Like, but you, you've got to force this one. Like yeah. someone is not just going to change your life for you. Like you really got to do it yourself. And so put yourself in a position when your back's against the wall and you don't have any other option but stepping forward. And then that's your option. Things yeah, change, yeah, you know? Yeah. But you got to do Burn that. Like, yeah, you have to, yeah. Or at least that's the only way I've ever found myself to like make those big goals. I put myself in a place where I have no other option. I think accountability. Big. I think well, it's like skin in the game. It's, it's, it's the same way of saying yeah. skin in the game essentially. Yeah. But yeah, like the more accountability I think you can take on as a person. Yeah. And you can do that to yourself. Like there's so many levels that you can be accountable and it's like you can be accountable to yourself. And it's like, if that's hard, then just try and be accountable to your family, right. try and be accountable. That's why joining a team or a club mm. or something that's like greater than yourself. Mm. And that's like, you can be that's accountable right. to like the local community. And for my case, it's like, I'm accountable to the audience. Mm. Like we've spent five years building an amazing listener base of people. Like I am accountable to those people. Mm. And when I say... I've done heaps of fucking silly shit because I've said I was going to do it on the podcast. You know, it's like, we're doing well vets next year. It's like, fuck, now I have to train for a year for this race mm. that I was like, but just because I said I was going to do it, you know? So it's like, I feel like it's almost like front loading your life with accountability as well. And, good. but there's two ways to think about that in a sense as well. Like where there's people that just, they spend their life saying they're going to do things. So like, that's the kind of thing you, you have to that's why I think, avoid too. Yeah. That's why I think you have to put yourself in a position where you don't have that option. Mm. Right. Like for me, I'm like you, like if I tell somebody I'm doing something, the idea of me Not becoming doing, that yeah. person yeah. is terrifying. That yeah. is worst case scenario for me. So I find that when I need to do something, I do that by telling others what I'm going to do. Yeah. Right. Like sometimes that's done through social. Sometimes it's me telling like, people that I very much value their opinion, I'm going to do this, Yeah. right? And then I'm like, I have to now. Like, how can I not do this? They're going to look at me as somebody who just talks shit and, you know, doesn't step forward. And that is is worse for me. So then I end up doing it, right? Yeah. But everyone has a different kind of- Trigger or tick. That, yes. Yeah. Find that threshold or find that, that breaking point. Put yourself in it. Yeah. So uh, another thing I wanted to ask was, would you have any advice for people or- do, do you think people maybe don't understand or have the right relationship with taxes as well in like their day-to-day life? Like is there – are there things to be gained in that vertical of their life that you think the average person wouldn't understand or maybe should look to understand? Yeah. Because I definitely had a – I had no idea basically. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, look, do I think that you need to know the tax code inside and out? I don't. Um, I think it's important, though, to have a view of what the tax code is so that when you bring somebody in to help you, you, you're using it, right? Like, and the reason why I say that, like, there's there's so many different views of what the, what the tax code is, right? I would say there's a large percentage of people that think if you use any type of incentive in the tax code that you're a fraud and <laughs> yeah, you're gaming yeah, yeah. the system, yeah, right? Yeah. There's that one. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another portion that goes, 
the, the tax code is 95% incentive-based. Yep. Like the purpose is for you to put dollars in areas where the government wants you to. It stimulates the economy. You go through all the benefits of it, right? Yeah. It's important to know that, I think. Um, and then second, like depending on what you're doing, uh, I like the idea of keeping more of my money. Right, like I love that. Like, <laughs> love hard as hell to make yeah. money. You know, yeah, like yeah. the idea that I have to give less of it to the government. I'm, I'm here for it. Right. The pushback you'll get is, yeah, but the government could use that money. Right. Well, no, the government's telling me to do this. Right. I'm just doing what the government said. They've created a roadmap for me. Like, you want me to put my money in real estate and I get to keep more of it? Boom. Yeah. You want me to put in energy? Boom. Right. So I think that's important. Now, when you start getting into the thing, like when we were talking about W two income you have less opportunity to have tax incentives yeah. if you have W-2 income. Yeah. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like the government wants you or is trying to incentivize you to build business because building business creates new jobs. So you will get more tax incentive by going down that path. Yeah. Uh, but on the passive side, like you could have a W-2, there's still opportunities to, to be tax incentive, right? Like, you know, on real estate, just because that's my field, that's one of them. Like, the government allows you to depreciate a building. Mm. You know, you get to use that depreciation to offset, you know, passive income or, you know, in some cases even uh, gains, you know? So it's like, I like the idea that if I make a return, I also get to include in that theory the amount of tax, you know, savings I'm having as well. I think that's smart. You know, it's just, you do have less options as W-2. And so that would be my next question. Would you encourage like the average person that is just a W-2 employee to start an LLC and to just do like, is there any advantages of just doing business on like any level, whether it comes to like claiming back some of your travel, some of your fuel, like vehicles? I mean, if you say that you work from home in Australia, like if you work from home, you can claim like a certain percentage of Mm -hmm. your rent on tax like do you think that just the average person probably should just start an llc figure out something that you like kind of want to do and then there's enough tax benefits there to like make the juice worth the squeeze that's a good question um i don't think so the reason why i say that like if you have a w-2 and you have security through it but you like always wanted to start a business there's every argument to say start a side hustle yeah and build it and then move into that direction right i think that's a legitimate path. If you're working a W-2, you're like, I just need a little bit of tax help. I'm just going to spit up a, a, you know, an LLC. The the challenge with that is one, the LLC has got to be a business, right? Like you yeah. got to actually be doing business. And if you have a W-2 and you're going to spend time in another business, what you need to be prepared for is you're now diluting your time. Yeah. And yeah. does that put you at a risk of potentially losing that W-2? And is that something you want, Right. Uh, the other thing is like, you know, spinning up an LLC to have a little bit of income come in, to have a little bit of tax incentive. I don't think it's going to move the needle. Yeah. Like you got to have like a, you got to have a good amount coming in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I guess I was curious. It's like, if there's just, if that kind of becomes like an option. I mean, I think it just comes down to intention, right? I, I wouldn't spin up an LLC just for for taxes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would spin up an LLC because I want to start a business. Yeah. And then in doing so, you get a little bit of tax help. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because that's, I guess, one I, – I was just so unaware for so for so long. Right. Even just, like, years of of 
running businesses as to like the things that you could do and the moves that you can yeah kind of make but just i think it comes down to like education and just like knowing yeah you know, so i'll give you this this is my philosophy this is how i do it it's worked very well for me i i know the the concepts and i know enough to come up with some creative ideas but i'm not structuring how i'm strategizing two three four five years out from now i call my cpa in right i'm like all right kevin this is what I want to do. Can I do, does the Augusta rule come into play, right? Does the Humvee credit come into play? Like, let's build this out. And then he'll go, okay, I like how you're thinking, but no, that actually doesn't, that one's not going to work. This one will. And so we're able to create a strategy for myself with somebody who understands the tax code inside and out. He's the expert, but I have the ability to add some kind of creative flow to it. Yeah, right? yeah. Right? That's what I've always done or attempted to do. You, even like, you know, with with business. And it took me a long time to realize this. When I first started getting into business, I thought I had to know everything. Mm. Like I, I was like, oh yeah, like how how is this beer brewed? How, who, how, what, what are your sales techniques? How are we accounting for this, right? It took me a while to realize that I was significantly holding myself back by trying to be good or understanding everything. Mm. Don't need to do that. You know, like I need to be in charge of what I am good at and I have to build a team of people that are really good at what I think the pillars of business are, and then they get to manage the people underneath them. Yeah, uh, that's done very well for me. You know, like I, I don't need to build out pro formas for our real estate. So, like you're conducting the orchestra, but you don't know how to play the violin. Maybe the maybe the maybe you can play a little bit of violin. Yeah, maybe, maybe the maybe the example would be like I'm I'm really good at the violin. Uh, I don't know how to play anything else. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, together gonna, as an orchestra, I can you can it. make beautiful music. Right. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. Did anything change in your, I don't know, like your psyche mentality? Like did anything change when, when the brewery was sold and yeah. you got like just, you don't need to do anything anymore. Like you don't, like did that give you any kind of weird feeling or any kind of like existential crisis to go through? It, it, it changed in ways that I wasn't expecting it to change. Uh, like I, I all of a sudden became fearful. So like, oh, damn, I've got, got a lot of money lose. now. Like, you know, like better not blow it. Like Paul and I were talking about that for a long time. Like, holy crap, it feels like, like we better not, you know, ruin this. And then the challenge was, is that mindset is destructive, right? Mm. That, that's all, That's what you see with a lot of people who become, you know, let's call it like, low-end millionaires, right? They get this money and they actually got something and then they go, I can't lose it. And then they no longer do the things that got them there. So they never get past that, mm. right? Like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, when you're talking about risk, if you're trying to build and go beyond, risk has to be a part of the equation. And so I stopped being so focused on, oh my gosh, I have this, I can't lose it. And it shifted into, now I got more resources to build. Yeah, you know, but like, gosh, man, like I, I make the argument, like I take just as much risk today as I did twenty years ago. Yeah, you know, I just feel like I have more tools to manage manage it now. Yeah, because I be- and I have a little bit of time. Like, yeah, I mean, the truth is, like, if I got wiped out, went back to zero, I still have time to rebuild. Yeah, you know, as you get older, that that stops to that that will no longer be a part of of an option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine it's just a very strange feeling. 
to, I mean, I don't know. It's how. very weird. No, it was shocked that when I looked at my bank account, I went, the, what the? Like, even that's walking around, I was like, this is, it was weird. That's right? cool. You can talk about it. Too. Yeah. I it feel was, like not a lot of people will be like open about it. No, it was experience. weird. It was super weird. Like, I had never written a seven figure check to the government before. Had to with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that, that's weird. Um, even the first, like, you know, I came from the skate community and the skate community, like, you don't, you're not flashy. You don't, you don't show off. Like, you're, you're into cool. very humble. Yeah. Right. And I remember, like, the first demo I skated was in Texas after we sold it. And everyone knows the. Well, like, I didn't know. Like, I was like, maybe the industry heads know. I don't know if, like, kids know. And uh, Tim O'Connor, dude, he was, he was, uh, he's like a f- super funny personality, but he was doing, like, a lot of the MCs for, like, contests and demos at that time. It was Make a Wish. And I, like, skate in there and all this, and Mikey Taylor just sold his business. The newest millionaire. Like, and I'm just like, remember feeling inside like, fuck. Yeah, it was like (laughs) devastating. It was so awkward, right? It was so awkward. But um, you'd be surprised how short-lived that is. Like within a week, then you just felt like a normal person again. Yeah. You know? But I don't know. Like I've always, look, one thing I've always hung on to, like I had this when I was a kid and, and, you know, the pro skater I wanted to become once I knew that that was an option I always wanted people around me to feel like I was normal. Like, yeah. you know, when I was growing up, I remember meeting pros and like uh, yeah. some of them were super Just, cool. Yeah. Most of them weren't, yeah. right? And I hated that feeling. I remember like, like, you know, the first That's time so cool. we, yeah, I, I just did, I never wanted to be that. So like yeah. I made it a point when I was a, when I was, a pro skateboarder that anytime I talked to a kid, I wanted that kid to know like, damn, he's kind of just like me. Yeah. He's a normal dude, yeah. right? I always want to be that. Like I, 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 I would be really upset if I ever turned into that person that I didn't want to become. And now it's not skateboarding. It's just more aligned with business. Like yeah. the more successful I get, I don't, I don't want that to lead to becoming more out of touch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, I always think, and like I could imagine <laughs> it being like you get the cheat codes to the video game and then the game kind of becomes boring. Mm. So it's like, but if you stayed, I guess that like the mentality that you won and you don't have to do anything anymore. And it's like, it's, it's good now. Mm. It would just be like playing Tony Hawk with every, what I don't know what the thing, you know, I do. I, I think that would be the case if I was still in the industry, like, you know, like for me, how I work, I like setting the goal. Yeah, but and you just it, went completely in a different place where you were just like at the green. Yeah, it's level. almost like yeah. I didn't win anymore. Now I'm like, yeah. hey, I picked a new game and I'm level yeah. one. You know, so uh, it, it, that, that was actually a big reason why I moved out of the craft beer space, um, and why you know, you know, God willing, we you eventually sell Commune Capital. Uh, I will not be in real estate after that. I will pick something completely different. Like yeah. I, 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 I want to be back in the journey of. Here's where I want to get. I'm back at level one, and I've got to go through every freaking level to get there because I really enjoy that process. Yeah, you well, know, there's something the, that it it forces you to become humble again yeah. because now you don't know this, and you got to be amongst everyone else who's above you now, right? Yeah. Like, it it it's a shitty feeling at sometimes, but a a very rewarding and important feeling as well, right? Like, even with the like when I ran for city council, like I remember, like I, I had to knock on doors. I did not want to knock on doors. I did not want to do that. Right? It's yeah. very uncomfortable. And I remember like one day I'm knocking on a door. Nobody answers. I walk up and this car pulls up next to me. He goes, Mikey? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, what are you doing? 
right? I'm like, oh, I'm running for city council. And you saw it in his face. He was like, what are you doing? You're door knocking? Like, are you kidding? He's like, he was like you're rich. That's what, that, that's interesting. That's what yeah. he said. He's yeah. like, you're above this. You're like famous. And yeah. well, like, what do you do? What are you door knocking for? And I remember going, you know what? What I found when I started Commune, uh, I had to go back to the beginning and do a lot of the things that, you know, I didn't have to do once we were at the tail end of the last career. Yeah. And like, dude, if I want to win, I can't just like run around going, I'm this, so I'm going to win. Like, you got to go get in the trenches. Yeah. And this is getting back in the trenches. And like, dude, it's humbling. Like knocking on a door, like, hey, I'm running close. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But I, th- I think that is what hopefully keeps me to the place where I ultimately want to be. Yeah. Which is like, I'm still just like a normal freaking person. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, well, and it's like, yeah, starting a new game. Yeah. Because, yeah, once you get the cheat codes... It's you, boring. It becomes yeah. boring. Yeah. yeah that's and right. I, and you see that in people. Right. You know, and it's one of my... It's one of the things I look for in people. It's one of the things I love the most is when I find a person that's just fucking won the game. Right. And they're just the nicest people. Again, they're just sitting on I a like tractor. Yeah. And they're just bowing around their avocado trees. And it's like they got... They've lived it. They've uh, done it. They've stayed in the best hotels. They've uh, flown in the prop. They've just they've done all the things that you're supposed to do, and then they're just like, ah, it ain't it. I love that. I like you know? that too. And it's it's just cool. Like your way of actually dealing with that right. was to just start a new thing, yeah. start a new game. Yeah, play, and it's know? just enjoyable too. Like I I, you know, when we start when we were earlier talking about challenges, like I like the challenges when I have the goal that I'm trying to hit. And th- th- that is where I thrive. Like, you know, having to figure out how to do something I enjoy. Once I figure it out, I'm, I'm, I'm not very great, actually. Like, I, I don't lose interest. Like, you know, you, I'm kind of like, a, like you would never want to work with me. Like, just like that. that's actually a good thing to like put out there. If you ever want to do anything with me that I'm not interested in, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm a terrible partner. Yeah. You know? You got to make sure, like, if I'm on board, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a savage. Yeah. If I'm not, I'm the uh, complete opposite. Well, it's like they're saying, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's yeah, so, it's nuke or nothing. It's so yeah. true yeah. to be in that mind space. Yeah. I had that. I had last year. I got a massive opportunity. I would have had. It would have been one of those where it's like you'd get half of this thing, and you'd have more money in your bank account than you've ever had in your life up to this point. And I basically said to my buddy, and I was like, I know you, and you don't want to do this. Totally. <laughs> Guess what? Totally. I don't want to fucking do this either totally. because this is just not, this is not how this stuff's going to go down. It sucked so much in the position that I was in, and like, we were living in Dubai, and I thought, I was just literally watching my fucking bank account just mm. with just every, and I was like, I've made the biggest mistake. Like I fully shit the bed mm. on all this. And then I just got given a plate that would have just solved all of it. And I had to sit there and just say no. Mm. But it was for that exact, I fully yep. just, I knew my friend. Yep. I knew him and I would do business with him in a heartbeat. We were actually trying to work on something else right. in conjunction with it. Right. But it was just like, that's not the thing, bro. Right. Like, that's not your thing. I know it. And I'm just not going to be the guy that's calling you, right. wanting you to do the thing you're not going to do. That's wise. That's wise. That's it was wise. hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So what, uh, what's coming up for you in the next next few months? Doing the Christmas thing, obviously. And yeah. Take yeah. some time off? No. No. Nah. We're going to do Christmas. We're going to do New Year's. And then we're going to have a very busy year. Yeah. 2020. 2024 for sure, and I'm probably expecting 2025 to be probably two of the busiest 
busier years of my life. And and in what sense? Like, well, what do you see coming up that you're going to have to navigate? Yeah, so basically, so my, my business were in multifamily and storage on the commercial real estate side. And how it works when there's a lot of deals out there, there's not a lot of capital. And when there's a lot of capital, there's no deals. That's always yeah, the lever, yeah, right? Yeah. And right now we're in one of those moments where there's a lot of deals and hmm. capital is pulled back. And I believe that it's in these times where you really have the opportunity to grow. This is where you take market share when it's hard for everyone else, right? Yeah. And so in that, we are going after the deals that we can do as hard as we can at a time where it's harder to raise capital. Like, we're, you know, we're, we're probably working three times as hard to raise the same dollar. Yeah. But I think what we do over the next two years impacts us significantly over the next 10. So I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that this is one of those moments to go all in on. And so our business is going all in on it. Yeah. Which means it's going to be tired. I'm going to be tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four, four kids. Four kids. Yeah. 11, 9, 3, and 16 months. Oh, yep. So right. that's busy. Once my, my youngest isn't, she's still not sleeping through the night. Once she starts sleeping through the night, I'll have more energy. Like yeah. I don't do well tossing and turning throughout the night. So that'll be a big bump. Uh, city council, I have my, I have a grasp on now. Like the yep. city council is just now part of my. So what, what's your role there? So we didn't even really fully. City go council, into that. basically, we we vote on what the policy is going to become. We're the policymakers ultimately. So we create a policy, vote on a policy, and then the staff implements it, or you know, creates the law and then implements it. So it's almost like a, think of it as a board member yeah, of a company but for for a community yeah, instead of a company. That's probably the best way to look at it. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is real estate focus. It's a lot of land use designation, you know, what we do with real estate. Um, but there's a whole staff that does the day-to-day. So from a time standpoint, it's not that it's just big decision kind It's of, big decisions, yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. And then and then everything else is the business. Yeah. And then social media. That's the only thing about it that feels like a side hustle that, you know, I don't it, it just has always been a thing to help with the business I'm doing, but it's never been the business. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. it feels like I have three jobs, but um, that's basically it. You kind of need that though. I mean, I have like, you get torn in business, I think, where it's like you, you know, you get 80% of your results from 20% of where yeah. you spend your time. Yeah, you know? that's right. That's and right. to me, it's like, this is where I make my money. Right. I sit here, I do the podcast, I have right. great people on, right. and then there's a process that you go through. Right. But I love doing bike builds and yeah. I love doing races and yeah. I love traveling and yeah. filming and like, all that shit costs me money. Yep, that's <laughs> it's right. Like, that's right. That's kind of it feels like my side hustle. So yeah. I guess I, I can relate yeah, on that. But sometimes fair. you just got to do the thing that yeah, you, 100%. you love love to do. hundred percent. So it's going to be a busy one. It, it'll be more busy for us on the capital raise. Like yep. Capital raising is going to be the main focus this year. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to I want to go after it. You yeah. know, look, if I can go back like 2008, I didn't have a business. Yes. You know, like yeah. if I could be back in 2008, I'd put, I'd go all in on yeah. one thing. I was just still skating back then. Yeah. Like, you know, there's something that is different about 2008, but for like multifamily, like it feels like 2008. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Multifamily didn't move like, like single family. Like when you talk real estate, a lot of people go, oh, like houses. Yeah. Right. That's not how real estate more. works. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like multifamily didn't really move that gnarly in 2008. It wasn't like single family. And so, but it was significant to be able to buy something at 10% discount or so. Like that was, that was good. So I really want to just grab, you know, really want to go grab right now. 
I love it. Yeah, so we're going after it. So, I love it. <laughs> you know, I'll get more comments about me looking tired, but you know, just know I am tired because I've attempted to do a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've absolutely loved this, mate. We just did three hours. Heck and, yeah, I appreciate uh, that. I would love to do this again more often. It's, you let uh, me know when. Just free, open conversation with a, a smart yep. dude. I love it. So. I appreciate it. Heck yeah. Ah, sweet. We'll do it again. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.